0: Quick 15-second promo for Purple Stride in April. Go! Purplestride.org Backslash Team Trek.
1: We're a team! We're a team!
2: There's our leader, there. Kitty, Our vision of hope! Hey, this is Mark Altman of Inglorious Trek's and the 430 movie. And if you're a fan of our podcast, you don't want to miss Deck 78. Available now by subscribing at trekspritsplus.com. This is a bonus podcast full of great discussions about popular culture, film, and television. By your command, here's a sneak peek.
3: Yeah, she, yeah, like she was, she was putting out literal fires, you know. Like there were, you know, there were th- a lot of the people working on the film were having like nervous breakdowns, you know, because they were away from their families for six months, yeah. you know. Like, I mean, like it, it's it's a lot to juggle, you know. And 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 everybody I talked to, you know, said that she just, you know, she she did it masterfully and. You know, it, it felt very familial if, you know, it didn't feel like a cold kind of, you know. No, it's how people used yeah. to
2: describe Cubby Broccoli. He knew how to take care of the cast. Well, at least they knew how to take care of the principal cast and the American crew and the mm-hmm. British crew. It's <laughs> like you have these stories about these poor Mexican extras out in the desert, 108 <laughs> degrees in the yeah. still suits. Who would then have to walk home and have no, no water? And it's just, it's horrifying, you know, it's just awful. Yeah. But and I mean, it, then, but then they can always, if,
4: yeah, they that, always that,
2: that.
0: sip from the catch yeah. pockets in their suits. So, <laughs> to, be, to be fair.
3: I always thought it would have been funny if there, if when Sting and Kyle were fighting at the end, if like Sting, like, punctured Kyle's suit and just a big stream of shit came out of it <laughs> but uh yeah that's well, we have that to
0: version. look forward to in Dune 2 from Denis Villeneuve exactly <laughs> yeah no, that's definitely
3: gonna be in there um but no like uh, yeah like uh, what you just said like you know talking about you know the plight of you know all these poor Mexican extras you know a lot of them were vagrants Basically, who are being paid in shoes? You know, like yeah. that's not the kind of thing you get to read in a studio sanctioned. No, <laughs> well, no. Well, that, but that,
0: unfortunately, that's, what, that's that's one of the uh, the perks that they had working down in Chiribusco. Yeah, uh, you know th- that's one of the reasons why they were there because they could get very cheap extra crew members.
3: Yeah, they made they made a seventy or eighty million dollar movie for. 40, 45 million, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. But the whatever flip side of that
2: is you also tell a story about how Tony and Bob and Raffaella hire all these, um, th- th- these women off the street who basically <laughs> can't afford to support their families and they throw work at them. And mm-hmm. then they keep having, them, even when they run out of work, they keep giving them stuff to do to keep them right. on the payroll right. so that they can, and, and they said they would basically take a bullet for these people because they were so grateful, yeah. you know, for them, basically they were making more money they never ever made in their lives and mm-hmm. able to support their families and get, you know, off the street, you know, uh, and, and, and into, um, you know, and work and work for the studio. And some of them still have, you know, careers in the Mexican film industry because of the opportunities they got on Dune.
3: Yeah, everything is relative, you know, it's like, yeah, like, like... So subscribe today at trexfirstplus.com and don't miss a single episode
2: of Deck 78. Fire the rockets.
1: Come, they told me. rum A newborn king to see. rum our finest gifts we bring. Pa-rum-pa-bum-pa. To lay before the king. pa rum pa 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 rum pa 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 rum pa bum pa So, to honor, honor
0: him. Pa-rum-pa-bum-pa. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. A and this is Darren Docterman. And this is Ashley Miller. And we are the inglorious... trek with special
5: guest Robert Meyer Burnett. Well, oh, it's, it's good, good to be here because, Burnett. you know, I've got the power, which we'll talk about later.
2: Oh. You've got the power! You're a master of the universe, aren't you? Uh, Yes. Yes, that was I a very know. different were thing in the '80s. King? It's true. I'm yeah. master of all I survey. This is this is uh, this is exciting. This is exciting. We've been getting such a great response so far, but we're not even. Well, we're, we're kind of halfway there. Almost, <laughs> almost. And Whoa, it's we're halfway feel, there. We are, are living on a prayer. It's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas. We're getting close to Christmas, and uh, we're just knocking these out. Our Glorious Trek's first holiday special 10 by 10 lists. That's 10 top 10 lists. You've already heard some of them. You've heard the massive Star Trek's best seasons. You've heard Star Trek's best adversaries. You've heard Star Trek's best books, fiction and nonfiction, and uh, Star Trek best merchandise. And now it's Star <laughs> Trek's best pop culture merchandise. What? Where should I? Best pop culture references.
1: So, so we've been rammed by the Battlestar Galactica fantasy cruise ship. The captain's fallen overboard. We need you. Come on, everyone, to the lifeboats. Finally, <laughs> here's my chance to captain a real ship. Come, Baker, to <laughs> the, the bridge. oh George. Hello, Beaker. <laughs> Captain Kangaroo, I was just about to assume command of the ship. Oh, well, I'm afraid that's not possible, George. You see, I'm the senior officer on this ship. You see, right now I am Commodore of the Sector, Kangaroo. <laughs> hi, hi, Commodore. <laughs> Live long and prosper, George.
4: Ooh.
2: <laughs> Mr. Beaker, set ego for bruise. <laughs> This is references in popular culture to Star Trek. Star Trek's very unique in that even people who aren't Star Trek fans they know Star Trek because it's so permeated the zeitgeist, or at least it had once. Once right. upon a time, didn't it? Isn't that true? I mean, even if somebody is not a Star Trek fan, they know Star Trek. They know the characters.
0: Well, they think they know Star Trek, like the uh, like the producers. Sometimes uh, people who make modern... Star Trek
4: think they know yeah. Star Trek.
0: Uh, but the... wait, what? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> uh my you know mom thinks she knows star trek right because she knows the pointed-eared guy dr spock and uh and uh traveling through space and uh yeah and the the red planet yeah they, they know all about star trek that they need to know it's true That's but right. they really don't
2: yeah before we get to our list i, I want to tell you that the experts are bringing you a um a very, very special Christmas present. And for those you who don't celebrate Christmas, let's just say it's a festivist present. Right. We're bringing a bonus episode of the podcast called Picard's Trek Legacy, in which we mm-hmm. interview Brent Spiner, Jonathan Frakes, Terry Metalis, Todd Stashwick. And uh, it's a great episode. Jerry as Mathers as the Beaver. Picard season three and the future of Star Trek Legacy. So you don't want to miss that. It's going to be a very special bonus episode. It's not going to interrupt the holiday list. It's going to be a bonus episode. Because there's no stopping the holiday train. I want to talk no about stopping. the bonus
0: situation.
2: It's just like with Rudolph <laughs> that, and Herb. That would be our alien holiday special.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, yeah. Is, is, is Alien a, a, a Christmas movie? No, it's not. Um, but our Majesty, Secret
5: Services. Because they're asking the, the great question, do they know where Christmas trees...
0: Is Is Alien a Christmas movie? Well, it does have a virgin birth.
4: <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I don't know if that was a virgin birth. I'm pretty sure everyone in that crew was screwed. <laughs> hey, Rob, you got any good, uh, any good
2: Hanukkah gifts?
5: Dude, I got a... I haven't got any great Hanukkah gifts, but I got, got a good Hanukkah box that had five Exo six figures in it.
4: Whoa. What? Put yeah. your Kirk in a box. Yeah, really?
5: There were five. There one, were ones <laughs> I, I got. Uh, I got uh, Quark. I got Shram that I was waiting for. I got Roxanne. Uh, I got uh, B'Elanna Torres. You, why I, did you buy that? Yeah. What did you about it? Who says I bought it? Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, and I, got, I, well, I rounded out my Voyager figures. Now I just need Neelix and I got the whole crew. Of course, I have to say. Of course, I'm like, keep them all. What are you talking about? Come on, man. XO6 is killing it. They just re-upped their license with Paramount. You know, it was coming There's to an one end.
2: licensee that's actually doing okay because they don't yeah. care
5: about making money. Did you see the picture that Nanjin posted of Disco McCoy? I did. It looks yeah. great. Yeah, can't
0: wait. Well, now that now that Playmates has dropped out again, it's uh, clear sailing.
5: Yeah. What a shock. Yeah. It's too bad. But Nanjin, doing, I mean, he's, he's adding Jerry Ryan, 7 of 9, from Picard Season 3 to the line. So there's going to be five. Yeah, the wharf of season, season 3 looks great. It looks fantastic.
4: It looks um, really
5: awesome. Really good. They, they I are mean, so accurate
4: that if you, like, stick a pin in your wharf, Michael Dorn screams. It's crazy.
5: Yeah, they, they're doing a good job. I mean, I'm, a, I'm a really, really happy with them. And, you know, go to 3D Trekker and start getting my uh, six-scale TOS bridge. Rob, you're, yes. you're living the life. You know, life. if you
4: get six of those, living you can life. build a normal one-to-one scale bridge.
5: Well, yeah, like what I was saying earlier, I mean, I feel I need to make 12 full-scale bridges, you know, 12 or 13. 12, what, 12.
2: What, why do you need 12 full you need one for
5: each ship. You need the Constellation, which yeah. you can make an, an erect version. Well, then you— know, then actually, you, nobody I'm can sorry, even I mean, be in that bridge. Oh, it's
4: wrecked. I thought you said any erect version. I, Did I, you tell I, your mom? Maybe
5: Nancy Burnett will get it for you, like she did when she got you all those uh, the books. Enterprise, yeah. No, the 3D printed uh, Tos bridge is a little bit more expensive. Yeah, instead of sixty cents, it's probably sixty grand. Well, you're, oh, you're gonna time. need a you're
0: gonna need a six scale uh, Commodore Wesley.
5: Why? Uh, I? I guess I would. yeah. <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> ever made oh, Commodore Wesley, Wesley as an action figure. No, not Paul figure. Wesley, Commodore Wesley. No, Commodore Wesley, Wesley yes. Uh, I've got a promotion they, from Devil in the Dark. Yeah, I mean with uh, with the amount of Figures they're putting out Exo six could probably get to, to Commodore Wesley at some point. No,
2: they'll just keep doing Voyager figures.
4: Yeah, no, because they're done. Unless they're not, they I hope to, so.
5: Unless they decide to go back and do what if casts? they make
4: Kurtwood Smith from Year of Hell? Nice. I've always wanted a Kurtwood Smith action figure. He's not above the law. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> I and mean, you know what? What uh, I want to, but if if he he does that, I just I want a Kurtwood action Kurtwood Smith action figure that if you press its back, it just says just leave. Right, right. Like <laughs> I just want a, a talking Kurt Smith doll. And you fly. He no, says right. he's done
2: with motion picture. How could he be done with motion picture without an Ilya?
0: Well, because because but, he he doesn't want to do it. Yeah, he's too scared. Yeah, he's too I said scared. it. Nothing to be scared of. Sonic shower. Don't yeah. be scared. It'll you can do yeah. Blana Torres, but no Ilya.
2: I mean. And it would be great to have an ILEA. I remember yeah. when be- even Playmates had come out with it back in the 90s. It's like, oh my gosh, this is great. I'd like an Ensign Perez. <laughs> yeah. Keep holding your breath for that one. Ensign Perez. Wow. <laughs> carbon based units. Yeah. Humans, <laughs> you moron. Shut the
0: hell up. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: I mean, I that like carbon based unit, Look, right nothing, here. Nothing is out of the realm of possibility. Uh, Playmates by the way is continuing to make ships and role playing stuff though.
2: Yeah, their ships are, I mean I haven't seen the new ones but their ships from the 90s were great. Yeah, they were great. You know, they were great. I mean for the price, I mean that Deep Space 9 was killer. It was killer. Yeah. So, pretty 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 awesome. Okay, but today we're talking top 10 best cult pop culture references. This is references to Star Trek in the popular culture of which it has been a staple for these nearly 60 years um, going all the way back to Spock on Carol Burnett, you know, so it's, it's a pretty amazing uh, how Star Trek uh, is is so much a pop of a part of the popular culture. And we're going to talk about that as we count down our top 10 moments of uh, Star Trek pop culture references. And as always, we start with number 10 and Darren Docterman.
0: Well, number 10 is a, uh, It's a fun little uh, jaunt into Star Trek uh, time uh, from a show that was in itself a jaunt into the past. It's uh, from the Wonder Years.
3: Interesting specimens. Spock, where are we? It appears, Captain,
2: that we are on an alien planet inhabited by strange beings with long hair
3: and very short skirts. Who are you? What do you want from us?
2: Highly illogical question, Captain. These are alien beings. They think and act in ways you cannot hope to understand.
3: Well, what can we do? There must be some way of fighting back. Bones, Scotty. I'm afraid we have no choice but to submit to their every whim. You're their captives. They control us completely. No, this can't be. We're human beings. Can't you understand that we're men? Uh, uh, we're men. men.
0: And uh, Fred Savage as uh, Kevin uh, has some problems with uh, with local girls, and uh, he has a dream sequence that put those girls into the uh, roles of the. Uh, uh, the bringers of pain and delight, uh, from Spock's brain. And, uh, Kevin and his friends are in, uh, Starfleet uniforms and they have a, uh, it's basically a little skit, uh, a Star Trek skit about the, uh, the boys getting, uh, zapped by the, uh, girls, uh, power bracelets. And, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty great because it, uh, it has pretty much the most accurate uniforms I've ever seen in a, uh, in a separate, uh, separate show, they paid attention to the details and it's really well done. And, uh, you know, Fred Savage uh, himself does a, uh, a pretty passable, uh, impersonation of, uh, Kevin Pollock's impersonation of, uh, William Shatner, uh, which is, uh, a, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, it's a nice, uh, it's a nice, uh, note to, uh, those, those of us who uh, sort of grew up in that time period and uh, how we thought about Star Trek and how it applied to our real lives. So uh, I, I believe it's up on uh, YouTube. You can see the clip. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I
2: think it's so cool that Star Trek was so much a part of popular culture that it made a network series, a network comedy, would uh do a homage to Spock's brain, and people would have a clue what it was. Yeah. I mean, could you just imagine if it was being made now? Like, and you did a reference to an episode of Discovery or even Masks from Next Gen. Nobody know what it is.
5: No. Nobody would know.
2: But you see Spock's brain, okay. you know it instantly. What do you mean
5: nobody would know?
0: Deck officer. Well. Deck officer. <laughs>
2: I mean, it's, it's 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 incredible that this would have some kind of cultural resonance. Yeah. And it's just so fun because, of course, this is an episode that is largely derided uh, by uh, fans. Uh, people who don't even know what it is tend to criticize it without even having seen it.
0: But you like know, it, cold it, it, pizza, even bad Star Trek is good.
4: Well, I don't know if that's true. Yes, even bad right original on, Star Trek. It depends what on how I mean. cold the pizza is. Yeah. I mean, and what was um, on the pizza? So if there's pineapple on the pizza, that was never good in the first place. Okay, okay. That's not Star Pineapple and a, Spock's brain. I don't know. Here. You here.
2: don't know. No, there's well, no pineapple in Spock's brain, but there is pineapple, and then the children shall lead. That's a- <laughs> oh but god, you know, one big it,
5: pineapple. But isn't it interesting though that they chose Spock's brain? They could have chose any episode of Star Trek, but right. I think that what was really interesting about that particular choice. Is it made? I can't imagine, unless they made Winnie Cooper Miramani, and that of course didn't end well. So you know, it was it was yeah. it was she, Winnie
2: Cooper's pregnant with Fred Savage's baby. And she gets stoned stone to, to death. death.
5: I am Kevin. But I, but I did I, see that episode. Did, it was a pretty great. I mean, they they did a really. It was a really interesting choice of episode to do because. It would be, I think, a lot harder to have done one of the great episodes of Star Trek, right, for them. And oh, um,
0: a, 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 as short as the as short as the segment is, it would be tough to cram all of uh, City on the Edge of Forever into a three right. a three minute
5: clip. Even though Winnie would have made a great E. Keeler.
4: Well, yeah. <laughs> Let me help. Well, wait. Let me help. <laughs> Can you imagine, like Daniel Stern during the uh, during the. Uh... The narration on that one. I learned something yeah. very important that day. Okay. If
2: you love someone, push <laughs> her in front of a bus. Yeah. Sidebar alert. Sidebar <laughs> alert. Okay, this is a, this tangent. This tangent alert. Okay, so you just mentioned Daniel Stern. I'm now going to leave this episode and ha- sidebar with Rob Burnett. How great is Daniel Stern of for so all, all Mankind? So
5: great. He is so oh. great. What a again. First of all, I love the entire cast of For All Mankind, but hiring Daniel Stern to take over as the director of NASA. He's uh, great. He's so great. And as far as, and, and you know, it's so, it, it, he's tried to be so like winsome and go get them yeah. boys. But then yeah, when he's yeah. talking to the, you know, talking to the, the head of Ross Cosmos, who, by the way, Svetlana Flet, Flet, yeah. I'm, I'm going to admit something to you guys right now. She teaches here in LA. Oh, really? Uh, I think Long Beach. I, I sent her an email to ask if I can interview her. <laughs> Oh, good. She's <laughs> she was, great. She has not written me back, but I I have a mad crush on her. Her character is awesome. You she love kicks the Russians, ass. Rob. I do. I have a thing for Russians. What can I say? Yeah. Uh, but uh,
2: I have to say, this whole thing with uh, Elena going to to Moscow.
5: Oh, It's dude. not gonna. It's not gonna go well. <laughs> no, it's not gonna go well. <laughs> not gonna be good for Margo. No, no, free Margo. By the way, hashtag free Margo. Anyway, free Margo, Ren Schmidt. So okay.
2: Okay. We're we're back. We're back to an episode already in progress. I'm Thank sorry, you. Was, there's nobody else is, is I he, can talk to about is that he show. Still, Is he still is
0: he still playing his character from the Wet Bandits? Yeah, yeah. He's still playing and
2: his character from Breaking Away. He's on bicycles and That's he's good. a thief. Yes. So he's he's, he's he it's a home a alone his foot. breaking away crossover. And he's a Jaffo.
0: <laughs> let's not let's not uh disparage That's Blue Thunder, anyone. dude. Oh.
5: Come on. Catch you later, Rob. <laughs> okay. Another Star Trek reference. Oh,
2: yes, Sorin. <laughs> that was the Wonder Years homage to Spock's brain at Indeed. number ten, which brings us to number nine number and nine. Ashley Edward Miller. Your microphone or, is off or not? I know he's just like he's m- mouthing things. But, microphone, oh, I, know, I know it's.
4: Uh, sorry, I was protecting you all from my barking dogs. Dogs. We need Um, ALS, uh, we need sign language during this podcast. Well, I can probably make signs. Um, Anyway, I've been thinking during this this holiday season that we've been celebrating with these podcasts um, about presents, about rewards. And you know, it occurs to me that love is life's sweetest reward. And if you let it flow, it will flow back to you. So I think that it's time at number 9 that we set a course for love. Uh 29 years ago. Wow. Patrick Stewart appeared on Saturday Night Live, he famously introduced salt and pepper. And he appeared as uh, the captain in Love Boat in the next, next generation. Uh, um it's pretty great Saturday Night Live sketch. Uh, and, uh, for me, you know, it, when you're a Star Trek fan, especially then there's no internet, you know, you don't know, like, does everybody know what this thing is? Or am I like in a bubble when Patrick Stewart appears on Saturday night live and does this sketch and everybody is losing it. Like, and, and by the way, my favorite moment in that is you got to get in touch with what's keeping you from touching you dig. Um, when you see that it's very validating you you suddenly realize that uh, that that this next generation thing has taken on a life of its own um that uh, that it has a sort of a, a cultural footprint um that that it is le- at least comparable to the cultural footprint of the show that preceded it and uh, you know patrick stewart is a very funny guy and it was just it it, it was He's completely delightful he's
2: seen everything everything. we talked about that on our um episode devoted to his memoir talked about our favorite patrick stewart moments and that was high on our list his cameo and extras where he's seen everything he's so good in that (laughs) so good yeah yeah but the love boat uh enterprise is delightful and um obviously a great cameo from bernie capel of get smart and the love boat and um it's funny because uh, Patrick at a convention shortly thereafter auctioned off the miniature of the Love Boat Enterprise to fans. I don't know who has that, but uh, who knows? That could be the next Greg, Greg Jean, Jean auction. It could be Greg <laughs> Jean has
4: the Love Boat Enterprise. But uh, I wish I had it because... You know, uh, we should put not- out a call on the interwebs when uh, we post this episode and just see if we can crowdsource the location of the Love Boat Enterprise. Rafe Needleman has it. It would be amazing if Rafe had it. Well, I don't know who has it, but let's
2: see if we can find it, because they found the three-foot enterprise that was in Gene Roddenberry's office until it disappeared many years ago. We're going to find the Love Boat Enterprise, and we'll be doing a real public It belongs in a museum.
0: Now, I'm not not saying there's any connection to this. However, about two years before uh, that uh, skit on Saturday Night Live, I made a recording of the Love Boat theme with uh, Next Generation lyrics, and we played it on Talk Trek. And mm. it set up that whole thing, baby. And uh, I'm just saying, you know, there's probably not a connection, but I did it first.
2: Yeah, <laughs> That's all. Well, because you're <laughs> clever. You're a clever no, guy. Suppose.
0: But, uh, you know, clever is nothing without a, uh, without a big enough audience. So there you are. Now we and have you know, such an audience. <laughs> well, it was the convention on the air. It's, it was. Uh, uh, unfortunately, it was, but mostly it was a air. convention.:
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, look, a lot of those loyal fans came to, I'm sure, are listening to Trek experts. deeply uh, such, appreciated.
0: Who'd have thought from such tiny beginnings this empire would be built? They're
2: deeply appreciative
0: for the education they get from you. Oh my.
4: <laughs> yeah, 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 okay. That was said. number
2: nine. The Love Boat Enterprise a <laughs> seen on Saturday Night the Live, um, which was a delightful skit from uh, um, from our friends at uh, Saturday Night Live, and that brings us to number eight. Number eight is an interesting curiosity. A lot of people may not be familiar with it. It is uh, comes from across the pond, but it's for a very American staple. Kentucky Fried Chicken. So, reverse thrust.
1: Hailing frequencies open.
2: Scotty, we need
1: more power. I can't hold it much longer, Captain. We're losing the colonel's signal, sir. Well, what was Spock's His usual, Captain? The two-piece combo. Okay, give me a two-piece combo. I said. No, wait. Make it three pieces. Leave them up, Scotty. Most called, Captain. Almost lost the cold floor on that one. Captain's log, started 2453.87. The crisis was averted. Our cravings satisfied. The chicken was excellent. Take us out
2: of here, Mr. Sulu. Walk back to two. I uh, get. Yeah. Hey, who took my fries? <laughs> and in this commercial, the, um, the crew of the Enterprise is very hungry. Yes. And they feast on KFC because it's finger licking good. And, um, but they recreate the original Star Trek bridge and they use a bunch of sound effects yeah. and uh, they recast as a Shatner impersonator, as they usually have in a lot of these commercials. Um, it's pretty darn it's, good. It's pretty good. It's, it's, it's pretty, 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 pretty good. <laughs> And uh, it made me want Kentucky Fried Chicken, especially those little custard things. They remember the pudding; those little, it was like vanilla and chocolate pudding. You remember those little cups that they gave you? It was like the Kentucky Fried Chicken, and then they had these great mashed potatoes I haven't had it in years. And then they had these little pudding cups. Yeah, they, really they called good. them little
0: parfait parfait cups. Parfait cups. Parfait That's parfait what they
2: were. I, I mean, I haven't had Kentucky Fried Chicken. Well, I, I the last time Never. I had it. No, I haven't had it. I used to, eat, as a kid, I had it a lot. But I haven't had it since I was in Bulgaria because there's a point at which you're overseas and you, you're having the local cuisine and you just need something that's really American. And so you're in a mall and Kentucky Fried Chicken is is, is everywhere there. And I'm like, I'm going to have Kentucky Fried Chicken. I hadn't had it in probably 10, 15, 20 years. And I have to say, it really hit the spot, never had it again. But I, I you know.
4: no, I got to say the uh, the I believe that uh, that the Kentucky Fried Chicken commercial is doubly on point uh, for this particular that, holiday special. <laughs> because, as I understand it, it is traditional in Japan to order and consume Kentucky Fried Chicken at Christmas. It's really? What you do? Yes. Oh, Kanichiwa. Yeah. Arigato. That's what I said.
0: And in Hi. China, you have a duck that's smiling at you. <laughs> it's so maybe what me. we
2: should do instead of going for a good steak we should for for the holidays we should have done
4: chicken. uh Kentucky fried Kentucky chicken Kentucky fried chicken yeah maybe not solid maybe plan not. that's officer so, thinking
2: <laughs> <laughs> we didn't go for steak though we we had a nice uh, we had a nice italian meal at uh, at um uh Dantana's. Unfortunately, Rob couldn't come. He was working, and Ashley doesn't live in Los Angeles anymore. But uh we had a delightful Dude, uh, I dinner was at Dantana's. So,
5: I was so excited about that. Oh my God. It was good. I, it was good. I, I've been to Dantana's Dan one again. other time, but that's a story for another day.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was <laughs> a good uh it was a good time. Too bad we time. couldn't bring Robert Urich with us. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, that's- but it was, uh, it was a, we a good meal and uh, hadn't been there in a long time. And, and um, uh, it, it, it held up. It was a lovely evening. The New Shields held. That's right. And uh, it, was, it, was, it, was a, it was a lovely evening. It was. And uh, with a lot of it, good friends, good times. And still can't convince Kay good, Rydell to Brad, take, good take need, over good, the I'll podcast from me. She says, she, she, I'm not crazy enough to commit to no. doing some she's, stupid she's weekly podcasts. She's smart. She's she said no. smart. She's smart. Okay, well, that was Smart. the British Kentucky go. Fried Chicken commercial, and uh, it's uh, it, it, it's interesting. It's it's not. You wouldn't think Kentucky Fried Chicken would necessarily be a license. You know, there's a lot of fast food commercials, but see, this is we say pop culture references. It's not like Burger King offering the glasses, right. Or no, McDonald's a offering yes. the Star Trek Happy Meal. That's they're selling something. Yeah. That's not a reference. Like Kentucky Fried Chicken, they didn't have like a, uh, oh, and you can get a drumstick. And uh, it can be like the um, the mako root or, you know, it was like not something. They weren't offering something. They weren't offering like a replicated parfait or something. He was just using Star Trek to sell Kentucky Fried Chicken. Whereas the McDonald's commercials, like when they Gary Owens does the McDonald's commercials, and speaking in Klingon and stuff, that's promoting a Star Trek product. That's yeah. not the same thing. That's not a pop culture reference. That's that's more, that belongs in our merchandising right. episode, right? Happy Meals and, you know, uh, Burger glasses. King glasses or yeah. Star Trek, God forbid there's Star Trek 3 glasses, all that stuff. Those are just <laughs> about the best glasses they Star ever Star Trek 3 glasses. In.
4: Those are the ones where if you wear them, you watch the movie and think it's good. No, no, no. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> oh, no, you mean like glasses like that you drink yes, out of drinking drink out drink. like, of oh, so Remember, yeah. Star,
2: McDonald's did Star I've been, Trek promotion uh, picture. Working uh, out Star Trek 2 was Burger King. Yep. Star Trek 3 was Taco Bell. Was Taco Bell. It's amazing. It's just like the licensees. <laughs> Star Trek can't keep a fast food restaurant, but <laughs> the only thing this is gonna be huge and then no one wants them, right? <laughs> So it's like, it's the same thing. They just go from fast food to fast food to fast food. But every movie, it's a different licensee. But the great thing, Star the, Trek
4: 5, Jack in the Box. <laughs> the,
3: so we couldn't the,
2: get Star Wars, but we can get Star Trek, which is the next thing, best thing. The great well,
0: thing. Well, so the
3: kids love it.
0: <laughs> they had a Taco Bell commercial with this with this girl who was supposed to be working the counter. And... The funniest thing, she holds up this glass and, and, and she says, You can experience the magic of what <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. That's awesome. It's it's oh. hilarious. We gotta find that and put it in here. We gotta find that. It's I'm writing great. that down now
2: for our producers. I'm gonna put that down. They got to try and find that. But commercial. those glasses are
0: great. They're the best engineered glasses. They have the two sort of bulbous things on the bottom of it. They're beautiful and they have great artwork on them. And I have all of them in my cabinet. Oh, and I, I drink from them every day. Till the next earthquake.
2: <laughs> Don't even. That's think. what I should have put for. Um, I didn't have it on our merchandise list. But, you know, when the Northridge earthquake hit, you know, I'd only been living in California for like a year or two. And I didn't have. um I didn't have a flashlight, and all the power went out. It was complete darkness. It was 4 in the morning. But I did have a Star Trek The Next Generation phaser, which mm-hmm. lit up when uh-huh. I pressed the button. And I used that to safely get out of the fourth story of my uh, apartment building at the time. <laughs> wow. I remember and, that. Uh, that yeah, I know, right? And I wish I, I – should, that should have been my number one or at least but they my could hear you mention. Coming
0: downstairs because it was going –
2: Oh my God. Yeah, people were giving me weird looks because they were trying, they were like on the, you know, trying to hold on to the walls to find complete oh my darkness. Gosh. And then I came by with my phaser going choo, 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 choo,
4: choo. That's hilarious. <äh is that the sound it makes? That is not a great phaser sound. I mean, Denise Crosby will tell us that a phaser goes...
2: Oh, dude, Rob. So we had Denise Crosby. We interviewed her at, um, uh, at the convention we were at, GalaxyCon, she sings this song. She used to be in a punk band, "Black Christmas." It's hysterical. Uh, you know, she came to my house Amazing. when she was making Did, Trekkies too. That's right. Oh, nice. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I bet she didn't sing "Black
5: but Christmas," though.
2: No, but, but when she came to my else. door, I
5: said, "You started the Klingon Civil War."
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I, you, was she doing an, uh, a thing on your collection? Or yeah, what was she that?
5: interviewed me uh, for Trekkies too, for Roger and I got Trekkies too. She came in my house. I was in the before. You never time, saw the second movie. one. Is it good? It it is good. If you get the DVD, my ex-wife's all over the special features too. Oh, Yelena? <laughs> <laughs> we love Yelena. Uh, yeah, oh my she God, was, she was great.
2: That's, yeah, she that's, still is, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
5: <laughs> She's oh Russian. I, She's right. Ukrainian, pardon me. Ukrainian, yeah. Watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They that's don't. A, you
2: do not refer to, uh, right now. Ukrainian is Russian. But uh, so yeah. So speaking of commercials. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, speaking of (laughs) pop culture. Yeah, let's go to the big board. (laughs) Okay, so that was number eight, the British Kentucky Fried Chicken commercial. Taking us to number seven
5: is Robert Meyer Burnett. Well, in the early 90s, uh, Star Trek was uh, the beginning of experiencing a renaissance. Obviously, the next generation was very popular. And um, in 1990, believe it or not, uh, the British... National Power and Power Gen commercial in the UK uh, went on, went live, and what's really interesting about this is you could say that this commercial is actually a canonical mini episode of Star Trek if you wanted to.
1: Meteorite Scotty, beam us up,
3: Scotty, Scotty.
1: Don't worry, Captain.
0: It's only a shower.
1: A brawley you wally leave us up come to my heaven pop the power try man try power more power the man's power, power. Huh? uh-oh start again well he certainly hasn't got the power good afternoon but you could have national power
5: and power generation.
1: To register for a prospectus in the generating company's share offers, call 0272-272-272. Uh,
5: it was actually shot uh, on the Next Generation engineering set with James Doohan as Scotty. And William Shatner was on a planet that was in the middle of a meteor storm with a number of his crewmates. And, and Shatner literally, I mean, this commercial is pretty damn big budget. And you can find it on on YouTube, but they're running into this cave and Kirk's calling the Enterprise, asking Scott, you got to beam us up. And and there's not enough power. You know, where are we going we're gonna get it from the National Power and Power Gen Administration in the UK, apparently. And then of course they do that and they're able to beam everybody onto the ship. And of course, Shatner, uh, his his body has been swapped with one of his female crewmen and it's it's actually when you look at the commercial now again it's on youtube it's it's pretty great yeah. and then at the end the band snap comes on and sings i've got the power i mean it's just so <laughs> random <laughs> and <laughs> so and so british <laughs> and then but but it was that was a, better than my phaser noise rob i mean it was it was a you know it's a legitimate commercial and a few years after in 93 um <laughs> mci People are like, who's MCI? MCI was a phone company. They did a friends and family advertisement. Because back in the day, how could you get a friends? And this is before cell phones, kids. You could get friends and family party lines or whatever and sign up your friends. They did a commercial. Well, also,
2: you got to explain that phone, uh, Landline phones were very expensive. Like yes. and if you called out of the city you're in, it was more expensive. Right, uh, you'd have to pay more money. Your your monthly phone bill was quite. It wasn't like flat fee.
5: No, and and they got the Seven Dwarves, the care the 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 principal cast of Star Trek the original series, with a special guest star at the end, Jonathan Frakes. Hi, I'm Chris, and this is Anna with MCI. She recently started
0: a great friends and family calling circle. A
3: group of friends that wanted to get back in touch. I believe I actually said
1: we should resume communicating. So, Anna called, and I signed up. And Chris called me. I thought if anybody belongs in friends and family, it's us. I used to get tired of staring at those faces. Now, I kind of miss them. I joined to save the 20% because when I called him, I end up talking to an answering machine, which is more interesting than he is. I'm usually home. I'm just selective about the calls I take. When they were falling the circle. They obviously saved the best from last. Oh, that's why she called me next. Who is that? How did he get in here? There seems to be some error. I believe you
5: were in the wrong circle. Colin starts <laughs> saving an extra 20%. And they have it, it, it's, it starts out with Lieutenant Uhura with Nichelle Nichols, you know, communication. And then, of course, there's George Takei and Walter Koenig and uh, James Doohan and DeForest Kelly and, of course, Nimoy and Shatner. And they're all, like, busting on each other. I mean, it's really funny. It's a it's a pretty funny commercial. And then, of course, you get as you get into the the Shatner says, "Well, they save the best for last." When he finally appears, and then, of course, Jonathan Frakes shows up, and they're like, "How'd you get in here?" You know. And it's 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 a really it's a you can't again. It's on YouTube. You can watch it. It'll put a smile on your face. It couldn't have been cheap to get them all to do this because this was near it was 93 94 era so that's when you know we've talked about how in the past when next generation went off the air it was the height of its popularity uh time magazine had the generation's cover with patrick stewart and william shatner on it so arguably in the time that this commercial was made star trek was at its most valuable it was peak Uh, star trek time peak star trek time and it was. It's a wonderful ad, and you go back and you watch that now, um, and you know it'll make you choke up because many of those people are no longer with us, and it's really including MCI. Including, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that including <laughs> MCI. Uh, long ago, they have not been here, but but you know, two. It was it was really interesting Who, with Who this is? Kentucky Fried Chicken ad, and then these two ads that they felt that Star Trek was enough of a pop culture phenomenon that everybody knew Star Trek that they could use star trek not just the actors in and what's interesting is like maybe they were on sets i don't know where they filmed the actors but they're in these you know it looks like they're at their houses their homes right. and it's wild to see uh in this mci ad everybody in casual attire just kind of hanging out like talking on the phone and i'm surprised they never did one of those budweiser ads um you know ah and <laughs> the the the, what's the up? What's up? I mean <laughs> would shocking
2: been. to me is that George Takei has uh Shatner in his calling circle.
5: Clearly <laughs> <Well, laughs> a mistake Keep your friends um, close and your enemies closer. But it was it's a, it's both of these ads are are delightful ads and they couldn't have been cheap either one of them. Yeah. The British ad especially like <laughs> you know they're on like some pla- planet health set or something a cave set yeah. and things are there's actual pyrotechnics going off and it's 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 a lot of fun. Well, and it's the contemporary uh, Turnabout Intruder at the time.
2: Because Captain Kirk is is uh, right, combined yes. into the body of a woman because he didn't have enough power. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That was the MCI commercial and the British Power commercial uh, from uh, the early 90s. Both terrific uh, uh, commercials involving the principal Star Trek cast. And speaking of power, we need more power, Ashley Edward Miller
4: at number 6 Hey uh, uh Darren you ever watch Star Trek? Uh yeah, you mean that show Yeah, with, it's uh, Star Trek USS Enterprise. All right, now you remember when the Klingons were going to blow up the Enterprise and Captain Kirk calls down to Scotty, he says, "Scotty, I got to have more power."
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah,
4: warp he need, what does he need? He needs warp speed. Warp speed. Now, I'm Captain Kirk. You're Scotty. I need more power. I'm telling you, if you do not get this radio up, a billion people are going to die. Now, it's all up to you. I know it's a shitty deal, but you got it. Can you handle it? We're on a submarine.
0: We're not on a starship.
4: <laughs> oh, Scotty, you're fired. Everybody's going to die. <laughs> um, Crimson Tide. You ever watch Star Trek?
1: Star Trek, you know Star Trek and USS Enterprise Alright, you remember when the Klingons were gonna blow up the Enterprise And Captain Kirk calls down to Scotty says, Scotty, I gotta have more power He to... needs more, more, more speed More speed, exactly Well, I'm Captain Kirk, you're Scotty I need more power I'm telling you, if you do not get this radio up A billion people are gonna die Now, it's all up to you I know that's a shitty deal, but you got it Can you handle it?
2: Scotty
1: Bye,
4: Captain okay uh that little exchange came from Crimson Tide those lines were much better delivered by Denzel Washington um one of uh, Tony Scott's greatest films maybe my favorite Tony Scott film next to true romance um, there's another thing that movie uh, shares in common with true romance um, there is some dialogue by Quentin Tarantino which includes that particular exchange now here's what's special i think about um that particular star trek reference in pop culture what's different about it so far everything we've talked about you know the expectation of the the people who who made these they would get it quentin tarantino has never in his life given two wet farts whether or not the audience understands the references that he's making Right, he makes them for his own joy to tell you something about the character, whether you know it or not. And what's brilliant about that exchange is, even if you know nothing about Star Trek, you know exactly, exactly what Denzel Washington is talking about. Um, so it's actually one of my very favorite, uh, you know, dialogue references to Star Trek in the movies. It's certainly for me the the most memorable. Um, and uh, I mean, how how can you go wrong with Denzel Washington? just you know making such an impassioned plea that is also a, a nerd reference. I mean talk about making being a nerd cool. Denzel Washington made us all cool for like 45 seconds. <laughs> it's true.
0: It's a it's a great moment and uh in you know in a great movie. Uh but it's it's that extra little bonus that uh, you know, you're kind of winking at the audience, and and you know that at least a good portion of the audience is with you, uh, on that journey. Yeah, exactly.
2: Well, it's interesting because I, um, I recently watched it because my son wanted to watch it because he heard there was a Kirby versus mobius silver surfer reference (laughs) i on the other hand can't get enough of the star trek references of course uh, even though he's uncredited this all came from the pen of quentin tarantino who did an uncredited rewrite on the um on the film which is just terrific and it's amazing to me look obviously hunt for red october is amazing but this is the other sub movie of that era that's absolutely brilliant. I it's my favorite Tony Scott film. I know I Ashley's is true romance. Uh I think it's just a brilliant movie and it doesn't get any love. The Blu-ray is embarrassingly bad. There's no 4K. Um the streaming version is a very old transfer. Yeah. Um and it it's a shame because this to me is a film Gene Hackman, Denzel Washington, a very young uh pre-Sopranos James Gandolfini. Um uh, just a, a fantastic uh, George DeZunda from Basic Instinct. I mean, it's it's a classic '90s movie, and yet it's very obscure. But for our purposes, it is one of the great Star Trek references because he's he's a motivational speaker. Right. Denzel. It's- he's <laughs> using Star Trek to motivate his crew. So it's like you know, you know, remember when Scotty uh, needed more power? And it's, it's like it's such a great way to use Star Trek you know, to save the entire world yeah. to, to avoid the post-atomic horror. And I love this movie. I love the Star Trek reference. I know some people felt it was a little too
4: on the nose, you know, a little too quentin but, but I but love But to it. them, I say, nuts. And I'll tell you why. I mean, nuts for so many reasons, other than the fact that it's a great line and a great <laughs> moment and a great film. I think, uh, Mark, Darren, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but was Crimson Tide not our Friday pick for a 4.30 movie, uh, Six Degrees of Star Trek episode? I I think I would swear that it was because Crimson Tide is a pretty great Star Trek film.
5: Well, I was about to say that because the end of the film, the two people that are at each other's throats, Gene Hackman and, and Denzel Washington, when they go up against the military tribunal, the Navy tribunal, they're both shown as being acting according to how they should have acted. Yeah. And and you yeah, were both right and you are both, both wrong. wrong. That's Jason Robards. It, it's so great. And that's such a great ending of that no that villains movie. Only no, adversaries. That's exactly, that's exactly right. And <laughs> yeah. a shout out to the incredible Hans Zimmer score in that movie, too. It's great. That was back when he wrote his yep. own music. It's
2: so great that Hans Zimmer score. Oh my gosh. Yep. Roll tide! I love
4: that score. Yeah. Oh, amazing. I play that. All the time tide around. is high. That's and it's rolling day. on, and I oh, want to be no, your uh, number one, which makes me Jonathan Frakes. Or something. Danger runs deep. Uh, that's what she said. Oh,
2: Damn it! I, I, I ruined Star it. Star Trek reference. You, you ruined great Star Trek reference. Which brings I us to it. number five, and Darren Doctorman.
0: Back in the nineties, there was a little thing that we used to call television, and this was something that uh, aired. Uh, all at once across the country and people would watch it they didn't have any capability to start or stop it it just happened and you either watched it or you didn't one of these shows uh in the early 90s was called the ben stiller show yes it's the same ben stiller that you know of from zoolander uh but uh this was sort of his his uh his first uh, project and it was a show on fox and uh he had uh Bob Odenkirk and Andy Dick and uh, a couple other people that I can't remember. But on one episode. Jeannie Garofola, Jeanine Garofalo. Janine Garofalo. Yeah, yeah her. Jeez, and Jeannie Garofalo. Joe
4: Garagiola. <laughs> <laughs> Janine Ariola. What?
0: <laughs> and on one of these episodes, he had a special guest star, James Doohan. So in the game series of Triskelion, those those battering rams that they had, where they, were, were, I mean, I just got, I couldn't figure out whether or not they were actually ben, were they supposed to fight hey, to the death will,
1: or not? No, will you stop it on the Star Trek questions? I've had enough of that, you know. Can I get it? Okay. Uh, you know, week in, week out, right, all yeah. the time, everybody Star Trek. You know, hi, Scotty, hello, oh, this, You know, come on, uh, like, can not we find some uh, more interesting thing yes, to talk about yes. than Star I'm sorry, Trek? I'm
2: sorry. Yes.
0: And uh, in it, he. Uh, uh Ben sort of played the role of a crazed fan. Now, I think that we know by now that he actually was a crazed fan. <laughs> yeah. And uh yeah. and he uh he basically just wanted to talk Star Trek with Jimmy Dewan, and and Jimmy in the show got a little upset with him and a little frustrated uh that all he wanted to do was talk about Star Trek. Uh there is a dream sequence in the in the show where uh, Ben dreams that he's best friends with Jimmy Dewan, best friends with Scotty. And it has them, uh, you know, uh, uh, going around to parks and hanging out and drinking and, and building plastic models of the Enterprise. It's really a, a hilarious uh, look into the mind of Ben Stiller, because I think this is all 100% accurate. Uh, and it's, it's so great. And uh, Jimmy Dewan plays it well. And, uh, he's, he's part of the gag. I think he's not as part of the gag as everyone else thinks he is. Uh, but, uh, it's, uh, it's really well done. It's hilarious. And it really shows what a, what a huge Star Trek fan Ben Stiller was and is. And, uh, it's a really lovely sort of tribute to being a fan.
5: Well, his company and, is called Red Hour Productions. Exactly, exactly. That Reference of course, to Return of the Archons.
0: Return of the Archons, the Red Hour. And, Your daddy and, can put them up, can't he?
5: Uh, uh, <laughs> I would be remiss if I did not mention that Ben Stiller did, Mark and I, a big solid uh, for Shatner's 70th birthday. And he was working on, on, I knew he was on the Paramount lot working on Zoolander. Mm -hmm. And randomly called the Paramount lot and left a message asking him if he would appear in Shatner's 70th birthday that Mark and I were making. And we went to the lot and and filmed him. Look, that is one
3: of my great
2: regrets that we do not have that birthday video that we made for Shatner because (laughs) it was so freaking great. We talked to so many people, everybody from Leonard to um Ben Stiller to the head of paramount at the time Jonathan uh,
5: Dodge <laughs>
2: a ton of ton Larry Thompson ton of people and Ben Stiller was so game we went out to the um I, he was editing zoolander no, zoolander at the time yeah. and we go out and he starts to do this whole bit he goes I'm so excited Phil this is where you filmed Barbary Coast and he just <laughs> does this whole riff on Barbary Coast and he says I I just I, I can't believe it you had a, a thousand faces <laughs> it's so <laughs> funny and it's just like I I can't believe this we have it I mean it was on VHS I we kept a copy um but I don't know what happened to I that VHS either. and it's um, lost forever lost we sent it to Bill for his 70th birthday and and they showed it at his 70th birthday party and he he loved it and yeah. he was so great everyone was so great and I mean, that was the famous time where we went to Leonard's house and right. walked in, and he had the Zombies of the Stratosphere poster. Yeah. And 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 he said, "I feel like I know you guys." And we said, well, "We made Free Enterprise," and that's when he said, "Get out of my house!" <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and started giving us all the stuff about how come Captain Kirk? He's your hero, not Spock. And. <laughs>
5: <laughs> but it was, it was he was Ben was cool. We we even took him out to where the the. Um, where they shot the end of Star Trek Four, where the Bird of Prey crashes yeah. into San Francisco Bay, totally. they've they've still had it's a parking lot, but it kind of dips down and you've still got the it's still there today I think where you've got the back of the sky background the cloudy yeah. sky no, background. it's a
2: parking lot but they can flood the tank
5: when they yeah. need to and he was really cool like he was so game I <laughs> didn't know us just randomly called the Z at Bay. We well, we got a
2: ton of people for yeah uh that video and everybody was really great. Um God that it would be such a great thing to to you know, it's I mean it's I mean it's thirty years later, right? <laughs> Wait it's 20, no, 23, 23 years later. It's twenty three years later. It's, years later. Yeah. it's like how great would it be to play that video? How would it but be we don't have it? Don't have it. We don't have it. It's really it's sad. Gone. Um lost like tears in rain. I mean, we don't have the raw. We don't All have these happy the birthdays I have collected lost. I mean, I don't even know what happened to that raw footage because it was probably like high eight we shot it in. Well,
5: you know, I was working when I cut that together. I want to say that I was working at Kurti Pellerin, by, mm-hmm. you know, on on Lord of the Rings and stuff, the DVD special features, because that's where I cut it in that edit base. <laughs> so,
0: so it's it, probably on the long lost seventeenth disc. Of yeah. Lord of the Rings. It's on <laughs> there. Yeah, it's, it's somewhere. It's somewhere I think it's in there. It's
4: accidentally been included as a special feature.
2: <laughs> yeah, but that was a great sketch comedy show in the early 90s for the nascent Fox Channel. Yeah. Um, where they were trying a lot of cool stuff. And, uh, and it a didn't lot last of awful very stuff. long. Yeah, yeah, a lot of awful stuff too. But it didn't last very long, but it is delightful. They did some really great sketches like Die Hard 8. You know, yep. <laughs> uh, and and Ben Stiller played John McClane. But the I, this is, I think, this first or second episode. I'm friends with Scotty, and you know, it's so memorable because I think it's what every Star Trek fan dreams of being f- f- friends with their favorite Star Trek actor. And uh, yeah, so I guess it resonated wanted. for us. We made all well. We'll get to that, but uh, it's <laughs> um, it, it's it's really a delightful little sketch, and. Um, it's, 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 uh, it's not, I'm not surprised that it's our number five pick on our greatest pop culture Star Trek moments. And that brings us to number four and Robert Meyer Burnett.
5: Well, you know, I don't know if we could talk about this, but he's going to talk about it anyway. Uh, it's always funny when you see uh, "Star Trek" come up in references. In in a pop culture thing that itself becomes a big part of pop culture, and David Fincher's adaptation of Chuck—if I mispronounce his name—Palanuk, Planick. is it Palanik? Yeah. Plenic. Chuck Palahniuk. Pop- <laughs> uh, his book. You know, you know, was-
4: just ask Mark. I'm sure he can figure it out.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Chuck Palahniuk's uh, the adaptation. David Fincher's very famous adaptation, Fight Club, that obviously gained in the It didn't do that well at the box office, but has become a cultural touchstone. Even to this day, it's still being referenced in movies like Bottoms that came out a couple months back. Uh, but in this movie, of course, uh, our narrator, our nameless narrator played by Ed Norton, is having a conversation with Brad Pitt's Tyler Durden. And the subject comes up, if you could fight anyone in a fight club, in the Fight Club scenario, who would you pick to fight? And Tyler Durden says he would like to fight Hemingway. And they're, they're walking down the street, and um, Ed Norton thinks about it. He says, you know, Shatner. I'd fight William Shatner.
4: If you fight any celebrity, who would you fight? Life or day? Doesn't matter. Who'd be tough? Hemingway. You? Shatner. By William Shatner.
5: And then they get on a city bus to go to their destination. And I remember it's so out of left field when I was seeing, I saw that movie for the first time on the Fox lot. And, you know, no one really knew. I was knocked out by the movie. But in the middle of the movie, I mean, I probably giggled way more than I should have at that reference because it was so perfect. Because at that time, I mean, that movie came out in the 90s. And the idea of Shatner's fight style from Star Trek, even to this day, resonates. And, you know, my entire life, I've been thinking about being able to fight like William Shatner in Star Trek. (laughs) And to hear somebody just randomly throw out a reference like that was truly unexpected and delightful. And it always makes me smile.
4: Let me ask you guys a question, because I'm the only person on this podcast who's never actually truly met William Shatner. Now you guys have all had real conversations with the man. You've you've seen the ups and the downs. Like you've really just kind of been in it. Would it be wise to fight Shatner or unwise to fight Shatner? Well, it'd be extremely unwise.
5: <laughs> he he's a uh, he's always been a very athletic man. I mean, obviously now he's in his nineties.
4: I don't he's think still he if you take him now. But
5: yeah, he he's Maybe. a he's a very athletic guy. He's and awful I, wily though. Yeah, <laughs> I would think that William Shatner would have packed his punch would have packed a wallop. Yeah, I bet he could put you on the ground. And he fights dirty. Yeah, <laughs> he, he you know he'll fight like <laughs> he do a little if wrestling he so. and yeah, he'll throw dust in your face. He'll build a rudimentary
0: lane. Wow. I don't know. I I think, I think he would surprise you even now. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. You, you wouldn't, I wouldn't f- mess you around wouldn't with see the, the gut punch. Uh, coming. But it would happen and you would feel it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, I, 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 I don't think you can mess around with the chat. And I think that, uh, He'd find a way. Life will find a way. He'll
0: kick your ass. ass. He'd change the conditions of the test.
5: Yeah. No.
2: I would be really... You know, when we were at a convention, it was Mike Tyson's booth was right next to... uh, was right next to um, Shatner, and I don't know if Mike Tyson could take him. Maybe not. Maybe not. You know, it's Shatner, baby. It's Shatner.
4: Don't mess with that man. So uh like that but, uh, but it's <laughs> a great team picturing Mike Tyson as the gorn playing this game. I love you, Robin.
2: <laughs> It's funny um as we talked about this there's another movie that references Shatner um that came out uh, uh, uh you know around that time which didn't make our list which of course is um True Romance where Michael Rappaport talks about doing an audition for TJ Hooker but uh <laughs> we felt the Fight Club uh moment is much more iconic. Uh, true romance is great in so many ways, but it's not.
4: Uh, it, it doesn't have the punch, if you will, of Fight Club. And it's a TJ Hooker reference. This isn't the Inglorious Hook Spurts. That, that's the Inglorious Hooker Spurts. <laughs> that's 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 right.
2: That's so true.
0: <laughs> the Inglorious Hooker Spurts. Yeah, that's right. Um, Don't you okay. have kids you need to be watching or something? Something <laughs> <Yeah>. like that. <laughs>
2: I am the child I warned you of. Okay, well, that was number four and Fight Club, um, which is, you know, as we get down to our our top three and, of course, our honorary mentions. But before we do that, we got to reveal number three. And I look to you, Ashley Edward Miller.
0: Well, we're actually sharing
2: these. Well, uh, I know. That's, we are. that's, that's, right. another that's another why you're I was these, about we have to tee that up There's, a, there's a bit of a time. You just want to reveal that fact. That's correct. Go
4: ahead. That's correct. So okay. uh, the the first of our number threes, right? It's a it's a uh, wow. I mean, so many threes.
3: Threes, uh, massive number.
4: You boys, the three of you, all had to recuse yourself from this pick. Um, because it means something to you personally, and uh, I know that you don't want to be seen as making in-kind contributions uh, to your to selling your own product. Um, but at number we three... We can't sell our own the product. Movie, There's no way they, to buy it. That's true. <laughs> uh, this is the movie that told fans with a life everywhere that there were other fans with a life somewhere out there. Beyond Antares. Beyond Antares. And I am referring... Uh, to uh, a little movie about a couple of guys named Mark and Rob and their quest uh, to, uh, to to make a movie, to work with William Shatner and give him the opportunity to do a thing that would eventually lead to Priceline commercials that uh, would make him richer than Jesus. Uh, and also strangely features uh, a really terrific William Shatner imitation uh by some guy named Darren Terman. No, my I think character's that's name is Tiberius. It. Yes, the, the, uh, the movie is... is... It's not me at all. Completely outlived oh, okay. by Darren. Yeah, on the it's spot, it's by not the way. our Darren. It's it's not Darren Doctorman. No. It's uh not that at all. Uh the movie is Free Enterprise. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Do mm. you guys see that one? Wow, that Look. was dramatic. Yeah, very dramatic. (laughs) I I don't know.
5: Like Mark said, you can't get it. So I don't, I I haven't seen, I don't. Look,
4: the
2: reality is when you're talking about movies that honor Star Trek, that use Star Trek as a way of examining popular culture, there's probably no movie that did it better. See, I don't care about recusing myself than Free (laughs) Enterprise. (laughs) Free Enterprise is the story of two Star Trek fans who meet their idol, William Shatner, and find out he's more. Well, we'll say screwed up because we don't want it to be banned from Apple Podcasts, and they are. Right. It's a classic movie <laughs> deconstructs <laughs> the Shatner myth in a way that's entertaining and comedic and fun. And uh, it just so this? happens that two of the people <laughs> on this podcast made the fucking thing. Oh, shit. Um, and one of
4: them's or, in it. There goes <laughs> that. What what two of them are in it. it. Uh, Mark, one of Rivera it. Mark Rivera, aging Mark Rivera.
2: And that's how you introduce Free Enterprise. <laughs>
5: You know what's really interesting about that, though? Uh, that that it, the thing about Free Enterprise is it was born out of friendship. And it wouldn't have happened had I not been a fan of Mark Altman's writing in Cinefantastic magazine. And I was... I was God, I li- was a good writer. I lived for Mark's, like, 100-page retrospective articles on the f- seasons of, of Free Enterprise. I mean, on the seasons of, Enter- <laughs> of Star Trek, The Next Generation. That's where my head's at. And so Mark would write these really exhaustive. He would not only review every episode, but he would do exhaustive interviews with the cast and crew about each season. This is
0: before yeah. he was
5: banned from the studio. <laughs> but it was, they were really essential. If you were a Star Trek fan, you had to read these articles. I mean, it was, it was a, a treasure trove of information, not just on the show itself, but how TV was made. It definitely was inspired, I think, by the Whitfield Star Trek book. I think, Mark, that's what you were going for it was that kind of detail. And so i was a huge fan of marks, but i didn't know him. And i was working at a, a company called full moon and and full moon i had seen this magazine called sci-fi universe and the reason i didn't buy the first issue cuz it had a pretty boring picture to be honest of the millennium falcon. i'm like whatever. But yeah, it was that wasn't
2: the, me. That was not i had nothing to do with that cover.
5: It was the second cover that was from the episode parallels. Where where Jonathan Frakes is screaming in his universe where the Borg have defeated everyone, and and this was the cover of Sci-Fi Universe, I think, too, and I bought the magazine, so I'm like, that's a clever. Whoever put that on the cover, is thinking. And uh, it's a first time for everything. It's in life form. And then when I opened the magazine and saw it was you know Chris Gore and Mark Altman's magazine, I was like, oh my god, they have their own magazine. And it was really exciting. And then I found out that Sci-Fi Universe was going to sponsor a full moon screening of the movie Oblivion. We've talked about it before. And I told my coworker, I said, oh, I've got to meet Mark Altman. i got to meet him. <laughs> you know, because clearly, because he was involved with Sci-Fi Universe, that we were a little simpatico about how we thought about Star Trek. And that was really, if I had not seen Sci-Fi Universe and realized that Mark was involved with that magazine, we never would have met. I mean, you might there would have been, been no free enterprise and no Lieutenant Yaw. That's right. It's
4: like you've got yeah. mail, only different. We're sleepless. In it was, Seattle, the, I think
5: only the, the moral of that story is work begets work, you know, and, and by following our Star Trek passions, whether it was Darren or, or me or Mark, they've led us places that I don't think we would have been able to go or we would not have wound up had we not turned our fandom into some kind of a. Reasonable, reasonable facsimile of, of a of a professional career. So yeah, but, but here's the funny is, thing.
0: So, so, what you're saying is that screening was the enchantment under the sea dance.
2: Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's good, Darren. It was exactly. our density. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were both inspired to do what we did by Darth Vader as well. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so what's so interesting is. You talk about the influence of Star Trek. That Rob and I were actually being paid to write something completely unrelated to this. We were we were being paid to write a Jewish supernatural thriller called Day of Atonement, it's which too late to be forgiven. But it was somehow those Eddie, eddies and currents brought us back to Star Trek in our procrastination, in our procrastination about the the, the supernatural thriller. We ended up. You know turning well using the fodder of our own lives as star trek fans for this movie and uh so again it's, it's it's the influence of star trek that you allude to that you know led to this thing materializing oh i see yeah so but free but free enterprise it, you know obviously it's not just about a love of louis shatner there's a lot of celebration of star trek throughout quotes like uh, the whole ethos of boldly going, of, of absolutely, absolutely, and as a bonus, there's TJ Hooker references, rescue nine one one references, and little did we know at the time, Priceline references. <laughs> so uh, it, it really it really packs quite a wallop when it comes to referencing. Star Trek. There's also Planet of the
0: Apes and Star Wars and a whole bunch of other stuff. Well, the funny thing but. about the funny thing about it is that you know Dune had a uh, had a, a reference sheet that they would give out during the first week of uh, screening. You needed one for Free Enterprise for all the normies in the audience. Uh, both of them, uh, but we to- did print one in the <laughs> yeah, soundtrack album. Yeah, <laughs> there's a yeah, thing, there's that was, e-bionics. That was, that was months later. Months later, after everyone you know who saw it loved the movie, I uh, understand it was too late. It was already too late because e- e- ebonics was a big thing at the time.
2: So we did ebonics, yeah. and, uh, oh and not your God. best had... one. Not your best one, but <laughs> it's it's cute. I don't know. I thought it was pretty good, <laughs> and uh, it's in the uh, it's in the free enterprise soundtrack album, which is yes. fantastic. E-Morgonics. And you know what sucks. There was a great version of the soundtrack album that had. Dialogue on it between the, the 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 tracks, and for some reason that got the kibosh on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because nobody wanted the I don't know, I forget why, but it was kind of disappointing that that didn't. I'm sure, it um, had to do with money. That did that didn't happen because uh it would have been cool to have some of those great dialogue on the uh, soundtrack
5: album. But well, sure? we do have the William Shatner secret track that's three the minutes twenty two seconds. At the end of the, there's three minutes and 22 seconds of silence, because that's Shatner's birthday, three March 22nd, and then the secret track. The secret out. track, which is no longer that secret, because you just revealed I it. I just revealed it.
4: <laughs> the secret <laughs> is out. And yeah, really, we sadly, out of the bag.
5: Sadly, the Free Enterprise soundtrack was on Spotify up until the last six months. Oh, is it wow. not on Spotify anymore? It's on Apple Music, too. Yeah, so that's there you go, and the secret track is on there. You could listen to it. Wow!
0: Yeah, it's called yeah, the secret track. It.
5: Was actually called William Shatner's self-effacing tale.
2: What's amazing is it's easier to get the soundtrack album than it, it is, is to get album. the
5: actual movie. Yeah. yeah, although the soundtrack album's pretty good. It is good. It is. And Spring good. Aspers, who was our music supervisor, has become a hugely influential and important person in the music industry over its. Well, own.
2: so is Maria Lante, who bought it for network. And she's now a huge... I think she runs music for Sony. Yeah,
5: and are probably Spring both huge. there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So... Spring, Spring was great. Okay, before this becomes and a free the enterprise love fest, well, we, as we, we alluded a to more. earlier, yeah. there's a
2: lot of drama at number three, because... You're about to find out that there's kind of a DNA... There's, there's a relationship between all these picks, which is why we feel that having a tie... Is okay. Mm-hmm. And um, Rob, why don't you tell us the second pick
5: for number three? Well, uh, I bl- it's our friend David Goodman, is it not? It David indeed Good- it is. David. And David X. Cohn. David X. Cohn and David Goodman, who's one of my favorite people, uh, former president of the WGA. David Goodman's an executive producer on Enterprise, on the or a writer on Enterprise, executive producer of The Orville. He wrote an episode of Futurama. Um, uh, sign it
1: to Melvar, Melvar has three L's. I think I've done enough
5: conventions to know how to spell Melvar.
1: Say nerd! Nerd! Nerd. I'm Slim Shady, yes, I'm the real Shady. All you other Slim Shady's are just imitating. So. Won't the real Slim Shady please stand up, please stand up, please stand up. up. How can you do a
3: spoken word version of a rap song?
5: He found a way. That is one of, I mean, it is, (laughs) it's so off the wall. But they got the whole cast, the whole cast came back, right? Where no fan has gone before. Except for one person who said, no way. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and uh it is it is just an amazing episode of futurama i mean and i you know i didn't know how much of a until i later met david goodman and and he wrote like the autobiography of james t kirk which you can buy the and man, john luke picard and john luke picard or john he, luke pickard he's a complete star trek fanatic from back in the day like old school like we were formed as Forged as a child, as a as a lifelong Star Trek fan, and and he they just wrote this. He wrote this. They wrote this uh, episode that is, it's just bizarre and off the wall, and it's just wonderful.
2: (laughs) But also, it's so sweet because it really captures the feel of a classic Star Trek episode in that this this mysterious cloud like entity is a super fan that wants to create its own Star Trek fan film. Yeah. It's so inspired, and there's so much love there mm-hmm. um, But for, for Star Trek. Obviously, David Goodman's uh, knowledge and passion for Star Trek approaches even our own. And uh, he just did a miraculous job with this wonderful episode of Futurama, and uh, it's so terrific. And when you think about some of the other stuff they were considering like they had one that was like the infinite Vulcan, which was going to be giant Kirk and Spock fighting each other. Thank God they went with this because it's smart. There, are you know, more references than you can shake a stick at. And it ultimately it is very much a loving homage to the original Star Trek.
0: Yeah. It and really it's, is. It's so funny. And Scotty. And, well, no, no, Scotty. Scotty's does Welshie. not, it does not appear. Yeah. It's Welshie. And, uh, it's it's so good, uh, you know. Obviously, they have the heads of the original cast, and uh, they're all squabbling amongst themselves, and it's really fun. And uh, uh, I'm spoiling it. the uh, The Cloud's mother appears at the end and uh, basically calls uh, calls a halt to the whole deal. Uh, but it's so great! It's so great. And, and Darren, how do you solve a problem like McCoy? His D had passed away. Yeah, I. You know, I don't remember. I think they just had him not say anything. Yep, he never talks.
2: <laughs> yeah. maybe the first time in a Star Trek that that is true.
0: Well, he he
2: finally didn't have the last word. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so our second pick for number three was Futuramas, where no fan has gone before, but we're not done yet. We're not done. This is a three-way tie. Darren,
0: what's the last of us? <laughs> Well, no, it's not The Last of Us. That doesn't mention Star Trek at all. Um, <laughs> but uh, the the great thing about this uh, this next uh, item is that it is as close to Star Trek as you can get without being Star Trek. Uh it's asymptotic is, to Star Trek. It is, of course, the Great Galaxy Quest. In the far reaches of the galaxy
1: a civilization is under siege we are all that is left they've searched the universe for a leader stay tuned for scenes from next week's galaxy quest never give up never surrender
5: you will save
3: us
1: what they got never give up and never surrender We're struggling TV actors. You are our last hope. Where's my limo? (laughs) Okie dokie. And they're about to put on a command performance. Eight million light years away.
3: We are actors, not astronauts. You are our protectors.
1: That was a hell of a thing galaxy quest you're
0: just gonna have to kill it
5: we'll go for the mouth to throw his vulnerable spots it's a rocket it doesn't have
1: any vulnerable spots
0: um which is uh a look into star trek and behind the scenes of star trek that no one had ever done before it is truly magical it is hilarious it uh really deals with fans in a very loving and uh honoring way and it is so great. Uh, the performances are all top notch. Um, the, the characters in it are just slightly not Star Trek. And it's, uh, it's, but it's great. You can tell exactly who the archetypes are and it's brilliant. And the, the energy that is in it is so fresh and loving and touching it's a great story as well it's not only very funny but uh it's uh, it's a, a great sci-fi story too and uh it it uh, it has uh, connections to an old uh, new voyages story uh where the crew of uh, star trek uh get uh, land in a in an actual science fiction story and deal with aliens and it's uh, it's so great uh galaxy quest is I think, one of the biggest profile uh, homages to Star Trek that has ever been made.
2: Tangent (laughs) alert, tangent alert. Okay, before we continue with this episode, I just want to say we got a lot of comments from people about our book episode, wondering why New Voyages was not on our top 10 list or honorary mentions. I want to say we did an entire episode on it. And let's just say, see if you agree, there are two great stories in that book. Right. You know, A Voyage to a Small Planet Revisited. Right. And Mindsister. Yep. And, and, sister, bu- and right? The yep. whole book is not great. It's a great concept. It's a significant piece of Star Trek ephemera. Yep. But it's not by any means a great book in and of itself. What it right. represents is great. Yep. You're great. We are great. But that it is not <laughs> entirely successful. Yeah.
4: Do you agree? Discuss. 100%. It's I do too. The, it's the, It was a list of the best, the best books, not the best stories. Right. Yeah.
0: A book is an entirety, and you need yeah. to include it as such.
5: Yeah, I mean, I have to tell you that that book actually means a, a lot to me in a way because I went to summer camp. My parents shipped me off to summer camp. I love summer camp. And it was the first year... I went to YMCA's Camp Orkila on uh, Orcas Island in the Pacific Northwest. And when I opened my suitcase that my mom packed, Mm -hmm. Star Trek New Voyages was the book in my suitcase that she packed Uh uh, for summer camp for me. And um, I read Mind Sifter and Visit to a Small Planet Revisited... uh, or whatever it's called right. uh, yeah. at summer camp, and and yeah. that book will always have a very special place in my heart. But I wish the other stories were as good as I mean, Mind Sifter is a banger.
4: Yeah, you know?
2: yeah, it is. That book may mean more to me than other Star Trek than any other Star Trek book, other than the making of Star Trek. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, but that doesn't mean it should be our and the blueprints and the, blue the techno. But it, it, that doesn't mean it should be on our list. I I, I I I I find that easily defensible, not to include yep. new voyages or the new voyages on uh, on our list. So anyway, that was our tangent. Ashley, you want to add anything before we return
4: to our program orig- already in progress? Uh, no. Just that I just lovingly caressed my uh, my copy of Star Trek: The, the New Voyages and, yes, and displayed it. On it, on like Galaxy a peacock Quest? displaying his feathers. Yeah, anything uh, on but anything. But as for Galaxy Quest. Quest <laughs> Um, I uh, look here's what I dig about that that movie as an homage to Trek. It seamlessly manages to uh, make homage, make an homage to the original series, while also nodding at the next generation. Mm-hmm. Um, while making that movie its own, now, there are some fans who say, "Oh, it's the best Star Trek movie." Well, a, it's not a goddamn Star Trek movie, and b, it's not um, the, the the best. Star Trek movie. But other than that, they're totally right. Uh, because it is terrific. And the thing I most appreciated uh, about it, and Darren, you mentioned this, was the way that the movie treats the fans and incorporates the fans. And in particular, the way that, you know, you get to see how the the actors see the the fans, right? Their point of view on the people who come to, to meet them and to see them. And the way that On some level, they kind of dismiss them, but some of them appreciate them. Yeah. By the end, the audience in the movie theater watching the film get a point of view on the fans and understand, oh, these people are smart. They're resourceful. They're not necessarily cool, uh, but they are capable. And they help solve the problem. That's the beauty of it. Like, that is the beauty of the third act of that film. It's not just that it has a great third act. It's that it sticks the landing in terms of how it talks about the relationship between Star Trek and the people who love Star Trek, and you know, you. It, in fact, the entire movie is is it's it's not just right. a meditation on the the tropes of Star Trek; it is a meditation on the love of Star Trek. The Thermians, it is the love of the Star Thermians Trek. Are that, that, are that, that the Thermians are fans. Thermians. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> What's Whatever. interesting is this: the only thing on our list. Which doesn't specifically reference Star Trek. Right. It doesn't there's yep. not a, a single Star Trek reference in terms of a character or a, but it's situational. It is it is a musing on the franchise and the fandom. It's clearly based on Star Trek, but it's not Star Trek, which is yep. different than everything else on our list. Yep. But it, it's totally earned. And it's and it's funny because a lot of the it's been called by people and we don't agree with this the best Star Trek movie ever made uh, which it's not but um, it also uh, a lot of the cast loves Galaxy Quest yeah you know mm-hmm. because they can they see a lot of themselves and their fans in the movie and we've had this conversation both on stage and off with the uh, with with a lot of the cast and and Galaxy Quest resonates for. A variety of reasons. So uh, that was our tie for number three. Free Enterprise. future where when no has gone before. And Galaxy Quest, which brings us to number two, Robert Meyer Burnett. Now we're getting into the big. We're boldly going. Tell us where we land with our number two top ten
5: best pop culture references to Star Trek. Well, this is one of my favorite my favorite Star Trek Pop culture references Star Trek events of all time, and it involves the president of the United States. Now, back in the mid-70s, Star Trek had gone into strip syndication in 1972. The first Star Trek convention happened in 72, and Star Trek fandom had become a big thing. And uh, college students were watching Star Trek, kids were watching Star Trek, adults were watching Star Trek. Now, arguably, Star Trek had more of an audience than it had ever had. And at the same time, the Apollo program had ended. Skylab uh, was one of our last big uh, space missions, and we were building the space shuttles. And the very first space shuttle that was going to roll out off the assembly line was the Constitution, named after the Constitution, the (laughs) United States Constitution. But, oh, no a bunch of industrious Star Trek fans started a massive letter-writing campaign to not call the first space shuttle the Constitution, which is interesting. They wanted it called the Enterprise, which was a Constitution-class starship, heavy cruiser. But what was really interesting about all this, so Star Trek fans were heard, and President Gerald Ford, without ever mentioning Star Trek fans or this write-in-letter campaign, Decided he told NASA officials he made a decree, he made a presidential order basically that said, We're changing the name of the Constitution to Enterprise. And he claimed it was because he was partial to the name.
1: NASA's reusable shuttle orbiter, part of a new, less expensive space transportation system, a spaceship that will put our country in the Earth orbit freight business. This is Orbiter 101 as it rolled out of the hangar in
5: Palmdale, California. It has been named the Enterprise. He never said anything about Star
2: Trek or Star Trek fans. And imagine he still lost the election to Carter.
5: But The president demanded the Constitution be changed to the Enterprise. But here's, here's what I've always thought. This has always personally bummed me out. So the the first shuttle that came off the assembly line at first was never built to go into space. Right. It was only built to perform test flights in the atmosphere. It did not have engines. Yeah. And it did, it did not have a functional heat shield. It was a lander. It was a lander. And they were doing it to to do tests. Now what the plan was that they were going to refit the Enterprise. <laughs> afterwards,
2: <laughs>
5: and you weren't entirely as well as, you well as I do. They you were know, are it. as
2: well as Gerald Ford,
5: and they were going to make it um capable Functional. for space flight and make it the second shuttle to fly. But the second shuttle built was the Columbia, and what happened is while they were constructing the Columbia, they realized that there were design changes they wanted to make, so they made substantial changes to the fuselage and the wings and, and its construction. And then they realized it would be too expensive to refit the Enterprise to make her space-worthy. So the Space Shuttle Enterprise, while it was the very first Space Shuttle, it never made it to space. She's uh, had her day, Jim. But it was a great example of fandom coming together <laughs> And affect real change all the way up to the president of the United States. It isn't I quite have to clear. Say, I've
4: only seen her one time. I was uh, it was two thousand, no, two thousand eleven, maybe. Uh, I don't know, man. Time is like the fire in which we burn. So screw it. But uh, I was at the the Javits Center, which is the that's the convention center in New York, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, I was there for a book convention promoting the book that I had written with, uh, with Zach, Colin Fisher, which you can still buy. And uh, the Enterprise was being towed on a barge past the Javits Center. And I was in like the area like the, where the, everybody was eating. And literally, it was like Star Trek Three. Everybody stood up and they watched as the Enterprise went by. Uh so it was like a Star Trek reference inside of a Star Trek reference and uh inside it was, of it was a, pretty
0: special. Inside of a inside Lawrence of a, Ar- a, a of Arabia uh reference. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty yeah. cool. Um it's it's unclear it somewhere. It's unclear who in the Ford administration was the little bird that suggested this to the president. Uh but I'd love to Admiral find out. Morrow. Huh? Admiral Morrow. No, no, yeah. no. <laughs> um, I, I'd love to find out the actual lineage of how that happened because I'm sure it's a fascinating story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that killed that discussion. Sorry.
4: No, I, I, I
2: think it's part of our trek our Trek archaeology. We need sure. now have to find this person. We have to track them down and find – maybe James Fanson knows who it was in the Ford administration – that convinced uh, Jer- Jerry to um,
4: rename the Constitution the Enterprise. I <laughs> don't. By the way, boys, I uh, I have indeed found my picture of space doc watching the Enterprise. Cool. Sorry. I'll send it along. We can uh, put that up on our uh, on our public. Well, maybe they uh, just outlets. felt
2: her day was over.
4: Well,
0: <laughs>
5: and and we'll when it wasn't twenty years old.
0: Yeah,
2: I know it wasn't twenty years old. That's right. Twenty years old. I mean, uh, freaking aircraft carriers have been around twice that long. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, Beef but get refit? Oh, we're gonna put the Enterprise. She's twenty years old. But yeah, you yeah. know, even, oh,
0: even that's wrong because she was way older than that because she was the same ship that Captain Pike was on, and that yeah. was thirteen yeah, years true. before before the Menagerie. Couldn't so, even get
2: that right. Yeah, give me a break. Yeah, but they at least they named uh, at least they named a space shuttle after Discovery. So that's good. Right. <laughs> no, did they not? Was that not that was the oh. discovery
0: from 2001? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes. Yeah. The, the yeah, yeah. Enough, man. The space shuttle it really did capture imagination, though, didn't it? A, a, a spaceship that could go
4: into space and then land like a conventional aircraft, and yet, arguably, arguably, this may be a, a, a topic for another day. Um, it was the worst mistake NASA's ever made. Yeah, uh, you talked uh, about that before. It, yeah. Yeah, a I totally did. Terrible, they, terrible they, they, well, they, well, which is, they, is interesting,
2: because some would say that Moonraker was the worst mistake that Guppy
5: Broccoli well, made. Well, what's interesting <laughs> is the, the Moonraker space shuttle went <laughs> into be, space way before our space shuttle actually made correct. it into space. It beat the Enterprise. Which is so oh, crazy, because it didn't go into space. Our first space shuttle didn't go into space until 81. Yeah. But Moonraker yeah. went into space <laughs> <laughs> so our so number one eye. pick, Moonraker, is the greatest
2: <laughs> Star Trek graphics <laughs> of uh, all. No. <laughs> on and... you. No. you know, I, I don't want to go on another tear about how much I love Moonraker, even though it's awful. I love it. But speaking it's of awful, you, you know who died this week when we're recording this? Ryan O'Neal, star of oh, Tough yeah. Guys Don't Dance. Oh, oh man. man. Oh, God. oh God. Oh, oh, oh no. God. Oh man. God. Oh man. Now, if you have not seen Tough Guys Don't Dance. I think Vinegar Syndrome put it out on Blu-ray. You owe it to yourself to uh, to see that movie in memory of the late, great Ryan O'Neill. And Norman Mailer. It is a thing of horror. Dude. But, do you horror. But
5: no. I own it. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I I mean, say, no, 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 no. It's, yeah, no, it's, it's all good.
2: There's a whole, there's special features on that disc. Whoever dreamed. It's a major prize. In a it's world in which there were behind the scenes making of features on Tough Guys Don't Dance.
0: Well, there was That'd one something called home entertainment.
2: Yeah, you know, Angelo uh, Lamente did the score to that. But, you know, I was shocked. We watched, uh, I'd never seen Christmas Vacation. We watched it last night. Angelo Lamente did the score to Christmas Vacation.
0: Wow. That was I mean, weird. National
2: Lampoon's Christmas? I didn't know yeah. that. I did not know it either. That's a terrible movie, by the way. It is.
5: It's a terrible movie. I I can't believe people love it so much. I don't
0: understand how people love it. It's terrible. I've never seen it. The the first vacation is is a classic.
4: Of course.
0: Of Uh, course. I just don't understand.
4: I don't understand. Well, you know what is great about Christmas Vacation? Uh, Randy Quaid. Every time I turn on the (laughs) microwave, I piss myself and forget my name. I mean... (laughs) That was worth the price of admission. Yeah, but that wasn't in the script. Yeah, so there you go. So Randy Quaid. Oh, my. (laughs) Okay, that was our number
2: two pick for the greatest pop culture Star Trek references of all time. Before we reveal our number one pick, though, as is tradition here on the holiday specials, we ask everyone for their honorary mentions, which are purely an individualistic choice rather than a consensus pick. So we're going to start with Robert Meyer Burnett, his honorary mention for the top 10 best pop culture Star Trek references ever.
5: Now, I don't know how many people know this, and I don't know... uh, Star Trek isn't necessarily referenced, but Leonard Nimoy is clearly playing Mr. Spock. (laughs) In what I'm about to tell you. Oh my God.
2: You're no not going to go there. Back I'm very
5: in the 1970s, they introduced Magnavox, introduced our beloved Laserdisc player. Yep. Magnavision Laserdiscs. Time. The truest test of any product is how it performs over time. Now, this. Magnavox Star System Color Television, designed for the highest reliability in Magnavox history. Design concepts, technology, advanced manufacturing systems, for a picture as reliable as it is bright and clear. Magnavox, the brightest ideas in the world are here, today. And the first time we ever saw one publicly was actually in the movie Airport 77. You saw Lasers, this was a Universal film, Magnavox and Universal had kind of teamed up. They made a just an introductory video that literally has like, like one of the providers from Games of Triskelion <laughs> up, up, appears before a TV and Nimoy's dressed all in white. He's got a stash, but he's talking like Spock. And he raises his eyebrow like Spock and he's talking to this alien rock that's in someone's den. Why? I don't know. You can find this again, you can find this video on YouTube. Leonard Nimoy demonstrates the Magnavision laser displayer. And he takes us through with the help of this uh, a sentient alien rock that's talking to him with weird, you know, beep beep beep. beep and then there's bizarre seventies synth music. And Leonard, Your Nimoy- neck was too expensive. They couldn't use him. I mean, it's it's like a ten minute video, yeah. Where Leonard Nimoy is as as Spock. He doesn't say Spock, but he's clearly playing Spock. He's channeling Spock, and he introduces the laserdisc. Now, this had to have been Circus Seventy Seven, I would imagine, because right. that's when Airport Seventy Seven came out. And you know, I was a I saw the laserdisc player in seventy eight when I was a kid. I got one finally uh, in eighty five. I got a combi player. And we were Laserdisc fanatics. Another part of Free Enterprise is our Laser Disc obsession. So uh, we dated that movie because we were idiots. Yeah. We're not and, gonna and give DVD their due. The we're first, gonna
2: keep Laser Discs.
5: Yeah, yeah. And the first time I ever saw this video was actually in a department store in downtown Seattle where Leonard Nimoy, this video was playing on a Laserdisc player on a TV that was showing people what laserdiscs were. And in my mind, it was the coolest Thing I had ever seen because this predated consumer. I saw this in 70. I mean, there were people that had VCRs at this time, but they weren't really, they were really expensive. Three quarter inch VHS and beta were just beginning to make their way, but Laserdisc was concurrent. People forget it was concurrent to that. And Leonard Nimoy introducing MagnaVision Laserdisc. Wow, that's so
2: funny. I was pretty sure, Rob, that you were about to say Leonard Nimoy in the Bangles going down to Liverpool video. So I thought you were you were implying that he played Spock in that as though no. that car he was not a chauffeur but he was like driving the Galileo 7 and the Bangles were in it. It's getting hot in here. But um I, that's what I thought you events. were going with when you said oh Leonard Nimoy playing Spock seven, but no. the Magnavox commercial is good he did a bunch of commercials like that but he, Magnavox loved him because of course he later would do the voiceover for all the Odyssey 2 commercials is yeah
5: that yeah that's a
2: good pick Rob <laughs> it was the future they can play the clip on the show <laughs> I have to say Bill and Leonard did a lot of great TV commercials in the 70s and 80s yes they did they a did. lot Promise. you know I, because who could forget the promised margarine commercials that Bill did? And then he did a bunch of uh, uh, you know, um not Pathmark because that was James Karen, but he did right. a lot of uh supermarket commercials as well.
0: Right. And what was the name of that supermarket? It was it I was don't know. Canadian.
2: It was Canadian. Clearly it didn't hit the mark because yeah. we don't remember.
4: Well but um
2: That's what happened. But letter was all over the, by the star
4: and it died because we didn't He did, did not the
2: remember. Vic twenty too, didn't he? Yep. Commodore. Yeah. Commodore. They should have had uh, William Wyndham do that one. (laughs) Commodore Wesley. (laughs) Okay. That was a great pick. Now that brings us to uh, the honorary mention for Ashley Edward Miller.
4: I have three words for you boys. Pigs in space. (laughs) <laughs> a recurring segment on The Muppet Show. They appear 32 times, sending up everything from Star Trek to Lost in Space to Planet of the Apes, but primarily Star Trek because the name of the ship was the starship Swine Trek. I mean, come on. Yeah. Do the math. And
1: now, take- salubrious Captain Link Palthron, the provocative
4: first mate, Miss Piggy,
1: and the mythical Dr. Strange Pork. When last we left
4: the spaceship Swine Trek, it was drifting aimlessly in space due to the loss of power in the steering mechanism. Um, it was revived on the Muppets Tonight as Pigs in Space Deep Dish Nine. <laughs> uh and uh what a uh, what a uh, number 1 what a loving homage to our favorite show number 2 how could uh a, a a podcast that features any of us not make a reference to the muppets uh if we if we possibly could um because if you want to know what muppets star trek looks like well the it's muppets did game. it yeah starring link hartrob <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my gosh I love those pigs in space I would just wait for them to come on the Muppet show I just you know it's like oh yeah I hope they do have a pig but it wasn't every week so I was always like oh I hope they have pigs in space and the best one was when they had Mark Hamill on
4: yeah wow.
0: yeah, that was pretty funny uh, yeah, was, they, well was, they had Mark awesome. Hamill and Luke Skywalker
2: yes yeah <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> I mean that's not a Star Trek reference but you know yeah. it was pretty good it had yeah, it's Star. Trek yeah. yeah, it's Star Trek adjacent. Yeah, it's <laughs> Star Trek adjacent.
5: Yeah, you <laughs> fan of so pigs in the, space, Rob, or are you eat. kosher? I love no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't dig on swine, man. No, I love. I love bacon. Bacon tastes good. Pork <laughs> chops taste good. Oh, it's just such oh a my sandwich. gosh! <laughs>
2: Pork chops and applesauce. Yeah. Wow. it's a little Another Brady Paramount. bunch reference. Paramount reference. That's
4: some pig.
2: Oh, wait, that was Charlotte's Web. Eddie Milkus. He is the six degrees. He's the Kevin Bacon that connects Star Trek to the Brady Bunch. That's right. Crazy. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, that's a great pick. Pigs in Space from The Muppet Show. From Ashley Edward Miller. That brings us now to Darren for his honorary
0: mention. My honorary mention, I have searched high and low for years and years. I have never been able to find it. But it's ingrained in my memory so vividly that I have never forgotten it. In around 1974, there was probably a local commercial on New York TV. I remember seeing it on Wonderama on Saturday morning. Uh, and it was a commercial for White Castle. In this commercial... We see a space station with the White Castle sign on it, and it is approached by the USS Enterprise, which was no doubt a uh, AMT model. But they say we'd like an order for five hundred uh, White Castles, please to go. And they uh, they they orbit around the uh, the White Castle space station, and then they're off. And it was. This commercial that was on for several months, I remember seeing it many times, and I have never seen it again. Uh, and I know I didn't just imagine it. I was just going to ask you, are you, sure
2: you didn't imagine it? it was real. I never saw that commercial It's real,
0: and I know it. Uh, but, uh, you know, obviously it made a, a big impression on me. Um, Should I call Scott Mance and find out if he remembers watching it? I bet you Scott Mance remembers. Let's see. Let's call him I, right now. Well, Scott Mans, especially, especially if, it, it, if in it layered during one of the repeats of
2: *Metamorphosis*. I'm putting. It, I'm putting it on speaker. Let's see here,
0: <laughs> Scott Mans. I do okay. okay. This is going to work very well. It, in, while you're dialing him, I want to also mention another appearance of the AMT uh, Enterprise model. In Close Encounters of the Third Kind, both the Enterprise and the Klingon ship appear in Roy Neary's family room, hanging there uh, as he uh, as he destroys the family room. You see it uh, flung to one side and uh, dangling by fishing Hi, line. Scott Mance, but uh, and I'll call you it's uh, it uh, you know it's spot. it's a wonderful Thanks. thing to see Star Trek in these. Hey Scott Mance, we're recording an episode
2: of the Trexperts as we speak, <laughs> and we're wondering if you remember in the tri-state area. Uh, a Star Trek White Castle commercial. It's very important if you can call me back during the next ten minutes while we're <laughs> doing the podcast. We'd like to know. I know this has nothing to do with the companion or metamorphosis, but you might have the answer to this vexing question. We're only going to be on the air for another ten minutes, so give us a call or forever <laughs> hold your peace. But we figured you would know because you are a uh, you're you're a, a, you have great
0: Trek expertise, great Trek enthusiasm. Okay, thanks, Scott Mance. Operators are standing by. It's, uh, well, you, you nearly called him a Trexpert, but he's yeah, he not, did. He's not. I, 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 he's I not. held back. You held back. Uh, the, the new uh, shield's held. I hit <laughs> the brakes.
4: He's a dilettante. Uh,
0: well, no. Well.
2: He's, uh, I wish I would love to see his commercial. If anyone has his commercial, please send it to trexpertsplus at gmail.com because uh, we want to we see it. Uh, we have to know.
0: Show uh, us. Or, or I, recreate it.
2: I and know it was it. real.
0: I know it was real. I knew it and, was and real. Scott will back it. me up because it he's, was. The, it he's, was. The, he's the $6 million man. Well, we'll find out. If anybody knows, well, I don't
2: know about that. Anybody but anyway, knows. we'll find out. We'll find out because somebody's listening to this podcast.
0: Someone hopefully out there in the knows. dark listening to what's the podcast. The, what's your honorary mention, Mark? Yeah, Mark. Well, my honorary mention, it's funny. I'm I i, I I'm having a tough time
2: because my initial thought was the – um. The, the amusing In Living Color skit, The Wrath of
0: Farrakhan.
2: What do you want?
3: I've
1: come to warn your crew. Warn, warn your, your crew. Of their enslavement, enslavement. Aboard this vessel. Mm-hmm. That's Poppycock. These people are perfectly free to do anything they want. It is that same lie that kept Elvis the king. That made that poor child Latoya Jackson think she could sing. It is that same lie that's got white boys rapping and the fat boys acting.
2: Hey, hey Mister, you can come in here and talk to me like that. But, um, but uh, I couldn't go with that. Then I was thinking, uh, you know, Zoolander has a very funny reference to Star Trek. In that Will Ferrell is called the Magatu, but that's really the only, it's like, you either get it or you don't. So I'm not going to go like, Oh, okay. Bill Ben still is a Star Trek fan. He calls Will, St- Will Ferrell Magatu. Okay. We get it. That's funny, but it's not enough to earn an honorary mention. So my honorary mention is going to be the direct TV commercial that came out contemporaneous with Star Trek six and with Shatner you, is on the bridge of the enterprise and, um, he gets DirecTV on the main viewer and, uh, and and promotes DirecTV. Shall we raise our
1: shields, Captain?
2: At ease, Mr. Chekhov.
1: Again with the shields. I wish he'd just relax and enjoy the amazing picture clarity of the DirecTV HD we just hooked up. With what Starfleet just ponied up for this big screen TV, settling for cable would be illogical.
2: <clears throat> what, I can't use that line? For picture quality that beats cable, you've got to get DirecTV. Uh, but they, what they actually did with it, it wasn't contemporaneous with Star Trek Six. They used Star Trek Six and they actually de-aged Shatner. This is one of those early, like, Grand Moff Tarkin things, where they did a, a younger Shatner for this DirecTV commercial. You remember that DirecTV commercial with Shatner? Yeah. I yes, I do.
0: You don't remember it? I think that oh, part good. of my brain was covered up by the White Castle commercial.
2: Apparently, but this is real. This was <laughs> a very only so much room in there where, and they had DirecTV on the main viewer, and it was right. Star Trek VI. But um, but they actually filmed new stuff, and then they de-aged Shatner to 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 match the Star Trek VI footage. Huh. But they had him in the, uh, you know, in, in the, the Monster Maroon, as people call them. Right. And uh, I don't call them that. I just say Nick Myers' cool second version of you- Bob Fletcher's uniforms. I don't know why people call it Monster Maroon, so I'm not going to call oh. it that. But uh, Bob, Fletcher, Bob Fletcher's second attempt, which was entirely successful. And yeah. um, actually, it's my first attempt. Ooh. <laughs> oh but my. Uh, my pick is the direct TV commercial with Bill Shatner. I um, said on the Star Trek Six bridge. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot well, of that's, fun. Uh, that's lovely. A, H- that's hopefully, a, that's a uh,
0: hopefully, we'll be able to find it and, so that we can see it because I, yeah. I would like to see that. Okay, well, that I'm sure is available. That I'm sure we
2: can track down our producer. I'm making a list along with the Faltor Pan Taco Bell commercial. Right. I'm making a list of Directv commercial. Uh, um, and I think they'll have more luck with that. To-
4: Share it with me.
2: <laughs> Sorry.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's no commercial. With I'm L- going for Lucky something Bell. there. I'll work was something. there any
2: fast food tie-in for Star Trek 5? I I don't think so. It was just a marshmallow from Kraft. Ah, yeah.
0: uh, yes. Yeah, they, they didn't have a fast food tie in to five. Yeah. Because
4: there, no, there were no were well, glasses. Because nobody could remember. get out of the theater. They were seat belted into <laughs> their seat oh, belted right. in. That's they that's
2: couldn't that's get out of their seat that's belts. That's right. right. That's right. Because that's why the uh, theaters are installed Keep the from the summer. Yeah. They're trying to get them from going <laughs> to Indiana Jones' The Last Crusade instead. Um, okay. Well, those are the honorary mentions. All great picks, guys. Really great picks. We'll find out if this White Castle is a real commercial or figment of Darren's imagination. Uh, But either way, it sounds great. Uh, Which brings us to our number one pick for the top 10 best pop culture Star Trek references
0: and to do the honors is none other than America's sweetheart, Darren Doctorman. Well, thanks for that lovely introduction, Mark. Um, The uh, number one on our list, uh, people are going to say that... uh, well, how, how dare you forget the uh, famous uh, John Belushi Star Trek skit on Saturday Night Live. Um, we love that, but it is not on our list uh, for a, a bunch of reasons, uh, mostly because there's very few people around who even remember it. Well, uh, that's not why. As, As opposed
2: it, it to the list <laughs> This is not to appease people who remember things. It's for yeah. the best. It, we, it's, we tell them what to remember. It's That's not right. about uh, uh, remember. It's about it's just not like at the time, it's great. Like, oh my God, they're doing a Star Trek skit, right? That was a big deal. But it's not that great a skit.
0: Well, we'll, we'll remember it for you wholesale. Uh, in <laughs> it's the meantime, not as memorable as is what you're about to talk in about. In the meantime, one of the, uh, arguably, one of the greatest writers to come out of uh, Saturday Night Live was a guy named Robert Smigel you may know him as uh, uh, the uh, uh, insult comic dog uh and triumph triumph yeah um, so not to be confused with robert smeagle no that's smeagle that's uh yeah uh Smeagol. and he's he's precious uh but <laughs> the uh, the f- most famous skit that he ever wrote was when William Shatner was the host of Saturday Night Live and the first uh, the first skit that came up uh Shatner actually apologized for uh during the monologue he says you you guys are going to see something that you may not like but uh, uh bear with us cuz it's all in fun what what happened next was perhaps one of the greatest uh Star Trek uh mentions in Saturday Night Live history
1: you know before I, I answer any more questions' there's something I wanted to say I, I having received all your letters over the years and, and, and I've spoken to many of you and some of you have traveled you know hundreds of miles uh, to be here I'd just like to say get a life will you people I, I, I mean, I, I mean for, for crying out loud it's it's just a TV show) <laughs> I mean, look at you. Look at the way you're dressed. You've turned an enjoyable little job that I did as a lark for a few uh, years into a colossal waste of time. I mean, mean, how old are you people? What have you done with yourselves? You. You you must be almost 30. Have you you ever kissed a girl? I I didn't think so. There's There's a whole world out there. When I was your age, I didn't watch television. I lived. So, move out of your parents' basement. And, and get your own apartments and, and grow the hell up. I mean, it's just a TV show, damn it. It's just a TV show. Are, are you saying then that we should pay more attention to the movies? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Hey, You guys are the lamest bunch. Of, I mean, I've never seen... I can't believe these people. I mean, I, I really can't understand what's going on here. I mean... Uh, that was William Shatner, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I'd like to remind you, uh, trekkers, that we uh, we have some fine refreshments from all over the galaxy: Coke, Diet Coke, Bubble Up, Orange, I believe. We... Of course, that speech was a recreation of the evil Captain Kirk uh, from episode um, 37, uh, the name, uh, the uh, the enemy within. You know? Yeah, 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 so thank you, and and, and live long and prosperous. so everybody, you know, set your faces on stun, because this convention's ahead, Warp Factor 9, you know, yeah. right, all right, Warp Factor 9.
0: Where William Shatner is at a Star Trek convention, and he urges fans to get a life while insulting them and uh, belittling their uh, their, uh
2: Let's
0: Thank God, I thought you were going to say Airplane 2. Oh yeah, no, no Airplane. <laughs> uh, no it's, Airplane! It's a wonderful skit and uh, it really shows, first of all, a deep love for Star Trek and a deep understanding of what is funny about Star Trek fandom and uh, what some people may need to uh, work on to uh, increase their uh, adulthood uh, in, uh, in love of, uh, something like this. Uh, Shatner really is, uh, is hilarious. Uh, you know, he he basically says, honestly, you people, you've taken this, uh, job I did as a lark and turned it into a tremendous waste of time. Um, it's, it's so well-written and, uh, near the end, uh, Shatner is forced to say, well, well, I, I, I was playing the evil Captain Kirk, from uh, the enemy within and uh it's it's so it's so well done and Shatner has a great time with it and uh he wears the weirdest uh, sweater I've ever seen but uh, totally it's and so, head, it's so great
2: the head of the convention is Phil Hartman who's yeah. terrific uh again the late Phil Hartman who was just always so wonderful and so funny such a such a loss but um and He's remember, in the, in the dealer's
0: room, you want to visit uh, Pamela Denberg Doan, uh, Scotty's ex wife, who uh, says uh, things weren't uh, at all great with everyone's uh, favorite uh, engineer uh, as she signs her book, Beam Me Outta Here.
4: It's <laughs> <He's> so <laughs> smart My favorite because... line is uh, that mayor had a foal.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so good. Uh, 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 uh,
2: uh, 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 and because fortune. he really, you know, a lot of people parody Star Trek without really getting it this betrays a fundamental understanding of star trek its fans its fandom the minutiae it gets it it gets it um and it's so great and just the fact that shatner was so worried about you know how people would take it that he lost convention gigs like that he apologized and then subsequently apologized and then named a book after it yeah but uh that um is it hits really close to home in a beautiful way. And we've all been there. I mean, one of the things that really annoys me, you know, people say, ah, oh, you guys are such experts huh? What's yeah. you know, and it was the equivalent of that. What's the Captain Kirk safe number? It's like, they ask you the most esoteric piece of Star Trek trivia. And like, we're like, what, who fucking cares? We're experts about the show, the history of the show, not about
0: the minutiae. Minutia.
2: Yeah, about minutiae. So you're not really
4: experts, is what you're saying.
2: We, uh, uh, you don't know this. I know this. I love that idea. It's like, oh I'm gonna I'm gonna I know something you don't know. We, yeah, well, because we if honor we the that, alien be, we're race Needleman.
0: We honor the we're alien Daniel. race, the Minutians who uh, <laughs> uh traveled through space. <laughs> it and, it uh, so captures the experience of being a convention because yeah. you have like
2: people who are really passionate fans, who are just loving, who are great, and then you got
0: some real weirdos and um, Or John and, Lovett's wearing uh, bad Vulcan ears and uh Shatner pointing at him he said you you're almost 30 have you ever kissed a girl and then he he looks down dejectedly. <laughs> <then he> <laughs> well, so i never like i never loved
2: that john lovitz as much as i love him these days oh no he's, he's great he's great he's been he's, uh, uh, he's been a passionate advocate and, uh, for israel he's yes, wonderful sir. i love i love that john lovitz he yep. he takes no shit um he's he's he's, he's except he's when it's from shatner Except it is from Shatter. <laughs> He's really Shatner's good. Shatter's got skit. his number. Everyone's great in that skit. Yeah. That skit is so terrific. Um, it, 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 and I think that's what we're talking about. I think the Elliot Gould John Belushi skit is wonderful. There's no question. Yeah. It's wonderful. But
3: and it, it was the ring first true. time.
2: It doesn't ring true. It, it doesn't ring true. Well, whereas Get a Life, just I, I just think it endures so much more everyone talks about it. Everyone knows what you mean when you say get a life. Yeah. That, that whole thing, get a life. And Shatner's so
5: great in it. The other one's an imitation. It's John Belushi doing an over-the-top imitation.
2: Yeah.
5: yeah. Uh, whereas- well, what I think is so amazing about the get a life sketch is, yes, it's wantonly making fun of Star Trek fans, but at the same time, as Ashley pointed out, it was Kevin Nealon who said, did that mayor have a foal? Or did right. that foal? Yeah. It, it, that, and... And it shows at that moment. That's a pretty smart thing to say. Yeah, you know, it's not some geeky. Do you know the uh, your, your serial number from this episode? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like that. It. Mm-hmm. it he's showing like he he does An in-depth he is, knowledge of William Shatner. of William Shatter. Yes, you know, as totally. a, and a, a respectful knowledge of his own the the man's concerns and the man's interests right. in horses and 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 even though Dana Carvey l- looking down is is brutal. And it's amazing. Love its. It's oh, was pardon me. Love its. I say yeah. Dana Carvey. Yes, yeah. love its Looking down, it's brutal. But isn't Dana Carvey in it? Am I just wrong? He's not. I, that, don't, that, don't,
0: I don't think remember. so.
5: Yeah, eh? maybe it's just Love it's and Nealon. But but the um it, it's it's so cutting. But at the yeah. same time, it could have gone for the jugular, but it still comes off as even Star Trek fans love that, and the fact yeah. that we all love that. After that presentation was pretty spectacular. We're all big
2: enough to take a few insults. And, of course, we, we've we we've been to conventions like that. I mean, Rob and I talk about this. This was many years ago. We got invited to a convention in Visalia. We were the special guests. And we walk into a room and suddenly these batlets block our way. And these Klingons are like, no entry except to members of the high command or whatever the fuck they said and rob and i just like pushed these styrofoam things away to get out of our get go away <laughs> go stop it, the nonsense it's
0: it's like you should have you should have done a jedi gesture a jedi mind trick exactly too. yes
2: right thou shalt not pass oh. but it was like uh it was it was it was it's so it's so, it's so ridiculous and uh and and it catches like a catches the man in my it. position can't Afford to be made to look ridiculous, and at the end of the day, what's more ridiculous than a bunch of idiots doing a Star Trek podcast for five years? Yeah. So I'm not. We're not innocent
5: here. We know. We're Dustin, just as guilty. Yeah. And then, I mean, you know, to refer back to to free enterprise, when you and I were writing that, we went and looked at all of his comedy appearances, the ones we could get, like on Fridays, and mm-hmm. and Shatter had a tendency to. He likes to go over the top. He likes to. He likes his broad humor, but in that. He's brought it down, you know. Yeah, 100%. And and that was, I think, when we were making Free Enterprise, that performance was our touchstone. You saw North that Star, he could yeah. do it. Yeah, and but, that was my only real direction to Shatner during the whole thing in terms of his character. I said, Bill, I, I want people to wonder whether or not you're completely serious or completely insane. Right. And you have to, you have to if, if you're too insane, it's not going to work. And if you're too serious, it's not going to work. There's got to be, and he was like, Yes,
2: I understand. It's, it's that old Mick <laughs> story about saying fire in Star Trek right. II, where, you know, fire, fire. fire, fire. And then, he, you know, by the fifth take, he's like, exhausted. he tosses fire. it off, he's just annoyed, fire. And it's perfect, you know? And, yeah. uh And, uh, or here it comes, was it, it, it yeah, Fire it was it it comes, here it comes. through Here it it comes. It was here it comes. Yeah, down because right.
0: originally he was going... Here it comes! Oh yeah, yeah, right. yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and here it comes! Yeah, here it comes and it's like, here it comes now. Here and it, and it's just so perfect. And um, his facial and was, expression I, I, when he says
5: it makes it too.
2: Yeah, totally. Yeah, because he's annoyed with Nick Meyer. He's done. You know, he doesn't like to do multiple takes, as, as yeah. Rob knows. And and uh, you know, it was. Uh, it's really interesting, and he's so good in that. And and and, and that was kind of the way we lured him, we lured him in. Um, uh, he, we baited him, him because we, we, him. we did an in our, what he master. calls the tear stained letter. We never mentioned Star Trek. We talked about his comic chops and how much we admired them in things like the Saturday Night Live skit and in Fridays and even, dare I say it, in Airplane 2, the sequel. We yep. never mentioned Star Trek. We just mentioned comedic things he did. And I think that was very exciting for him because at the time he hadn't done comedy. He hadn't done, uh, uh the big giant head in, um, uh, um, uh, Third Rock from Third rock from the Sun. He hadn't done Boston Legal. Uh, he hadn't done any of these comedy things that he's he, renowned for. Free Enterprise was the Q. beginning of him turning a page into comedy. And so it was a big... Risk is on our part to like cast but him risk in is comedy. His business. But risk is our business. But,
5: <laughs> but even in, right, in Airplane 2, he was still doing a riff on Kirk, yeah, the commander yeah, of Yes, the, totally. You know, so, no, it was interesting. And, and I think that that Get a Life sketch... The fact that even today, everyone knows what that is. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. What's know? amazing to me is given how good Bill was in that Saturday Night Live. And it's not just Get a Life. It's in the Restaurant Enterprise. Yeah. And it's in um, the Ollie North sketch. And it's in right. all that. That he was never, and maybe he was asked back, but he never did Saturday Night Live again. Right. To me, he should be in the Five Timers Club. He's brilliant on that show. Yeah. And I can't believe that he ne- never did uh, a Sarah Live again. And I don't know if that was his choice or Warren Michaels or, or, you know, or what. But yeah. I mean, he's just, he's just
5: great. You know, you, even though it was an, I've got to throw out another. You just reminded me of this, and I can't believe we have, we've got to bring up his appearance at the MTV Movie Awards. Oh my God, Rob, how did we not have that? Who are you? Who are you really?
2: What do you mean?
1: I'm the host of the hit series, Rescue 911. I thought that was Robert Stack. Robert Stack, are you insane? Listen, Hooker. What I've done will be puzzled over and studied and followed forever. People will have conventions, posters, books, CD-ROMs. Sit back, you f- freaking you know, on messiah. You're a uh, movie of the week. you f- T-shirts. T-shirts? That'd be great. Why didn't I think of that? We're here. This is it. I give the commands on this vessel. Helm,
2: Hard of port. Uh, Okay. Don't know. Wow. Where does this go now? We have to rethink this whole list. It's another honorable mention. I don't know about that.
5: This belongs on the list. I mean, that was... He does the end scene of Seven, and he plays all the parts. He plays Spacey as John Doe. He plays Brad Pitt as as Mills, and he plays uh, Somerset, uh, Morgan Freeman. Yeah. And all three. Darren, do, do we make this a tie for
0: number one or is this an honorary <laughs> mention? I think I think this is a special award. A special award, this a is
5: special
2: a, award because a special behind Star Trek, Rescue 911, and T.J. Hooker. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it, 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 it transcends just being Star Trek. It's transcends. It's like a ducking of Star Trek references. He hits... The he, he, he goes beyond the rim of the starlight. He gets it all. He hits it all. So I think this is a special award. I think that's right. This is a lifetime achievement. It, it's a Shat- Shatnerific <laughs> because it's, it's Star Trek, it's Rescue 911, and it's TJ Hooker. And it's it also amazing. makes him
5: relevant for the young generation, too, which is something Shatner has been able to transcend decade after decade.
2: Darren, can you explain... Because we're talking about as though people know what we're talking about. Garrett, Can you explain what the MTV Movie Awards sketch that Shatner was part of uh, for the audience in case they haven't seen and have no idea what we're talking about?
0: Well, uh, the MTV Movie Awards would always have a, uh, a recreated scene from a film of that year. And, uh, I, I think it also came from the Oscars, uh, doing, uh, skits with, uh, Billy Crystal and putting Billy Crystal in the movies of that year. Um, but, uh, this year they did, uh, basically the last act of, uh, of seven and they reshot it exactly. I don't know if it was actually using footage from the film. I think it was, uh, and, and putting Shatner in it in all of the roles, uh, again, uh, but uh you know it's uh, the the thought of him doing all the roles is uh, ludicrous it's the height of hubris but he thought he could do it um and it's it's magical because he uh you know you don't expect him to be so different in all of these roles and they and they uh they add him uh so deftly that it's like watching the actual movie and uh, he has such a great time with it and enjoys every minute of it uh, and it's really something to watch. I, I'm sure it's on YouTube. Look and it's it up. Three it's three distinct magical. performances. Yeah. he's channeling Kirk, and then one he's T.J. Hooker,
2: and then he's also playing the host of 911. And it is just a brilliant satire of Seven. Yeah, uh, and he is so good in it. He's so that was the other thing. I think this was pre Free Enterprise, wasn't it, Rob? Did we, or was it after? I don't remember.
5: I think it was. Well, because mm-hmm. I know that we no, and I Fight were Fight Club very... came out in 99. We'd already made it. Yeah, We'd okay. we already made it. So, okay. Well, no, 7. Not Fight Club, 7. 7. Oh, se- se- oh, oh, oh yes. Oh, oh, 7 right. was '97. So Seven's seven 95. Uh, Five. Yeah, yeah, so this was
2: before Freedom. So I think we pointed to his MTV as another comedic tour de force. Right. Which it was. So if you haven't seen it, this is a gem. This is a true gem. And it gets our special bonus award for the greatest Star Trek pop
0: culture reference ever. Of our top so, 10, what a list. actually 15.
4: Our, our top 15. 15! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. We really,
2: you know, Mr. Sulu indulged himself in this episode because oh we really oh went above and beyond. But there was so much so much good stuff to squeeze in um, this episode because we really had a lot to do. And, of course, that includes in number 10, the Wonder Years homage to Spock's brain. Number nine, the Love Boat Enterprise from Saturday Live. Eight was a tie between the British. Oh no, eight was British Kentucky Fried Chicken commercial. Seven was a tie between the MCI uh, Friends and Family commercial and the British Power commercial. At six, it was I Need More Power from Crimson Tide. Number five, I'm Friends with Scotty, the Ben Stiller Show. Number four, Fight Club. Can you beat up William Shatner? Number three, a three-way tie between Free Enterprise, Futurama, where no fan has gone before, and Galaxy Quest. Number two, the Space Shuttle Enterprise. And at number one, it was Get a Life from Saturday Night with a special Lifetime Achievement Award to Bill Shatner for combining the Captain James T. Kirk, T.J. Hooker, and the Rescue 911 host in the brilliant Tour de Force that was the MTV Movie Awards tribute to Seven.
0: What a show. My goodness, it's uh, it's Betsy. It's not quite four hours, but I think you get four hours of energy in it. You get four hours of entertainment. We hope,
4: (laughs) or not? I (laughs) don't know. Seem like days. Oh my.
2: we hope you'll join us next Thursday for an all-new holiday special as well. And of course, if you think we missed something or disagree, you can reach out to us in Glorious Trek or in Glorious experts on all your favorite social channels. We'll be standing by for that. And you can uh, also email us at treksportsplus at gmail.com. And of course, if our weekly broadcasts are not enough for you, well, Rob Meyer Burnett is there to help you because he's there daily at the Burnett Work. So go to YouTube and subscribe today to robservations and the many other fine shows on the Rotmeyer Burnett Network. Network. The Burnett Network, yeah, Indeed. So uh this is this is this is all good. And uh what else? I think that about does it, doesn't it? Because we got to record another one of these soon. Yeah. It's, it never stops. Yeah. It's like the doomsday if, machine. It's relentless. If it is it indeed life for for
0: relentlessness we
2: need indeed. to, to The
0: never ending holiday special. Well Rob thanks for being with us again.
5: This was a, a lot of fun. This one, I mean,
2: they're we all love fun. Love having you share our insights. The yeah, other were dirges, but <laughs> this was but terrible. this one,
5: this was something special.
2: Well, you know, I think the merchandising one was so um, meaningful and emotional that it was nice to do something a little more silly this week. Yeah, yeah, that silly is right. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and of course we'll be uh, we'll be back we got some really special ways to close out the holiday special. Some great guests who are going to be dropping by and some special episodes. And don't miss Christmas week, Trek's Picard Legacy, a look inside the making of Star Trek Picard and what could be with Star Trek Legacy with Brent Spiner, Jonathan Frakes, Terry Metalis, Todd Stashwick, and more. So don't miss it. And that's <laughs> going to do it for us. So on behalf of Ashley Edward Miller, Robert Meyer Burnett, Darren R. Doctorman, myself, Mark A. Altman. Keep on trekking, and gloriously, of course, and happy holidays!